guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. We are up to episode 408. Say you it know, ain't so. I know. I saw a comment on, um, I think, Instagram, and one of the girls said, I thought y'all were going to take a break after 406, because uh-huh. 406 really does seem like a mid-season yeah. finale. That's the one when when Vic passes away and Brian gets the news like, hey, it's go, heavy. go see a doctor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, emotionally, I probably needed a break. <laughs> Facts, because we, pro- we didn't have time. Like, we were mourning, too, and grieving. Right. We, didn't, we didn't even process that, you know? Yeah, but I was like, nah, we were just like, we're ruined at this point, yeah. so let's just keep going. <laughs> For real, gotta keep on trucking. Yeah, let them keep trampling over our emotions, yeah. So, yeah, we're up to 408, but before we get into it, at the end of last episode, which is something that we do on most episodes, mm-hmm. if not all of them, we say, hey, we want your feedback. But sometimes it's on something specific. And so this time we said, hey, we want to know what you think about, do you think Brian was going to Ibiza the whole time? Or do you think that he had this this mind change? And you guys did awesome at sending us your your feedback on that. And it was really fun to read that for me. And I shared some of that with Ken, the parts that didn't have spoilers. And, um, <laughs> So one thing that I want to talk about, I don't know, because I'm learning a whole lot through this journey, right. just like how to respond to things and how to deal with things. And so when we were talking about it in the episode, I kind of broke down, like, here's what I think. And then you broke down, here's what, what you think. And we both went into it the same way. We both went into it kind of perceiving it as, yeah, what he was saying all along was true. Like, that right. was his plan. Brian doesn't usually lie. Mm-hmm. And so what he was saying was his plan. And then he had this change of heart and mind at the end. and. I felt like that was true, but you weren't paying attention. But when we were driving uh, to go record the episode, I pulled out my phone and reached out to the writers and was right. like, hey, this is what I think happened <laughs> in this episode. Like, can you give me some clarification here? And so, of course, they did provide that confirmation. And so we shared that on the episode. Um, but anyway, <laughs> just kind of thinking through all of that and I totally think that there's room for a million different opinions on everything. And we respect everybody's right to have an opinion. I was telling Ken, I was just read this book and I love the book, but there are two things in the book that I'm like, Mm-mm, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> so even though those are in the book, they are true. They are facts. In my mind, I'm just like, nope, I'm going to, my opinion <laughs> is different than these facts. And so no, <laughs> I'm going to paint it like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I totally get it. You you interpret it however you want to. Exactly. And and that's what we want. We want to hear your thoughts, challenge our thinking process. I mean, so we're all going to have differences of opinions and we, we're not asking you guys to change anything. That's why we love you guys. And that's why y'all are diners. And this is why we're doing this anyway, just to start spark a conversation. Right. Yeah. Because I, I think really good art sparks conversation and lots of different feelings and lots of different opinions. And so mm-hmm. even though it's something where it's like, this is what it is. I still think that there's a ton of room for, right. <laughs> you know, for you to paint that in whatever color you want to paint it in. Because I'm going to take what I want to take anyway. I'm yeah. here what I want to hear. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can tell me, the writers can say that. Well, you know what? In my mind. <laughs> in my mind. Yeah. Right? No, that just doesn't work for me. <laughs> right? I do. In fact, in that book, I got a Sharpie marker and I like marked out <laughs> one part. And I was like, no, that's not, that doesn't exist anymore. So. Go on, Miss Extra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, anyway, sorry. I hope some of that made sense. The whole point of that is we welcome the conversation and even the discourse. We don't always agree. That part, (laughs) okay. But we still love the conversation. Because I know, I wish they could see our faces because I give you some mad side eyes sometimes, girl. (laughs) I give you some mad side eyes. Yeah, especially when, like, we know it's coming. We just know the Mm -hmm. disagreement is coming. Uh, We can feel it because, girl, you just know it, like you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
All right, well, let's get into it. We start out at Babylon, and we see Brian walking through, and he looks good because yeah. the last we saw, he was on an operating table. Mm-hmm. And he's walking through here. He's got his sh- got his arms out, shoulders out. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he just looks happy and right at home. And he gets over to the bar, and someone recognizes him. And there must have been a little something extra in Brian's poppers because it's Uncle Vic in a Girl. Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> in a Hawaiian shirt, okay. Yeah. I literally freaked out. I was like, yeah. what the hell? Yeah. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Creepy. Yeah, okay. you did scream that. Yeah. Uh, well, that's mm-hmm. actually not the word you said. No, 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 no. <laughs> really, what the fuck? Like, what yeah. the fuck? Okay, yeah. I, no, don't do yeah. it to me. Because in case you have forgotten, the great writer in the sky recently wrote Uncle Vic out permanently, <laughs> um, is what he says. Well, Brian thought that they were inside of Babylon, but Vic tells him there are one of two places they could be. And Brian looks around in the thump a thump a phase, and the hot guys dressed in white have morphed. And so now like, YMCA is blasting through yeah. the speakers. Uh, the guys have aged like 40 years, and the flat abs have turned to flab. <laughs> so uh, Vic's heaven seems to have turned into Brian's hell. Um, well, Vic tells him, well, now we have we have so much in common and it ain't two testicles, right. <laughs> he says. He says Brian has turned turned out to be um, everything he never wanted to be. He's old, diseased and imperfect. And then he laughs evilly as uh, Brian is awakened by the recovery nurse. I love how they did the little play on that scene about the choice that he made. Now, I mean, he went through with the surgery. To me, the way I interpret it, he went through with the surgery. Uncle Vic showing him the older gay men still living life or partying. I mean, Clinton, they were in he- in heaven, but yeah. they grew old. Mm-hmm. You know, they grew old to be in heaven. If Brian didn't go with it, he would have still looked the same. Yeah. And, you know, who knows where he would have went. I didn't even went, say it that way. You know, because when someone gives you bad news like this, I mean, you're going to live your life to the fullest. Or your mind is in a in b- different place. Maybe he would have just, I'm not trying to say he would have became a, a terrible, terrible human being. But, I mean, he could have did some things that could have cost him, you know, his ticket to the, to the upper room. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but yeah. what I'm saying, like. For real, for real, though. That scene to me showed that, okay, you make, you're making this choice. You're going to live this life. You're going to have 40-plus more years to go. You're going to be dancing to the beat of your own drum. Whatever music is popping for y'all, because for Uncle Vic, YMCA, that yeah. was the song, you know? Mm-hmm. So whatever's popping right now in 2000, 2001, or whatever year we're in, yeah. you know, this is going to be you, because you actually took that first step to actually get it checked out, to go yeah. and have that, that biopsy. I like That's how that. I, took it. I didn't even think of it that way, because it's like, who says... Being old and a little bit overweight is has to be hell. Right. Like, why can't that be your version right. of heaven that you were able to live this full life? I like that. Well, so the nurse wakes Brian and uh, he asks how he's doing. And Mr. Kenny says that he is having a ball. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Well, then we see Michael, Ben and Hunter and they are biking to their respective destinations. And we might have mentioned this before, but. Even if we did, I'll say it again. I like this cute little family routine that they have. Yeah. Biking off to work. Like, I could never bike in that snow and that cold because my lungs would be like, girl, you are trying it today. Nah, forget that. <laughs> they never have on any hats or, or, or anything know. like over the head. <laughs> I mean, where we are, it well, don't even I get am that a, cold. I'm a weather wimp. Yes. I can't. I have to have on like a million layers girl. to go out in 60 degree weather. <laughs> and they on just a little leisure stroll. Like they're just yeah. barely going. I'm like, oh hell no. Nah. It's yeah. time for me to get in the car. Is it just me or does Michael look real unsteady on his bike? Like Always. his handlebars are doing the wobble. I know. Like he makes me nervous. <laughs> I hate when he actually stands up and try to go get the power. I'm like, oh my God, he fixed to hit the ground. But yeah. uh, but like you said, back on scene, I love this little thing, the little routine that they do. Yeah. I mean, it's giving Hunter some structure as well. 
is actually right. giving him this family um, um, component that he never had before. I'm pretty sure he never encountered his mom in this type of way. Definitely never, not. And yeah. not even his foster family. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't seem like he did. Yeah. No. So they setting him up to let him know, like, hey, this is what love looks, looks like. And also, you know, as a, since we are family, we move together as, as one. Mm-hmm. And then it's just giving him some structure, showing him some unity. So yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. And having that going into each day, going mm-hmm. into to school each day for him and then for them going to work or wherever. Well, Michael is all dressed up and it looks like he's about to go turn in a shift at the Big Q. <laughs> but uh, he's actually going shopping with Debbie. And then he has a meeting um, later. Well, Ben makes a comment about Debbie getting out of the house. So I'm guessing she's been holed up since the whole Christmas party thing right. went south. And the party itself was actually perfect, but it just wasn't able to accomplish what she hoped it would, right. which it couldn't because. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's not. I mean, uh, you know what? She's just grieving. Everybody goes through their own grieving process. Right. And uh, I mean, that's how she's working it out. I mean, yeah. again, she didn't get to say her final goodbye. So we can tell her how and when to move on. And me personally, when I'm going through something um, serious, I like alone time. I have to work through my own stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I can see how she would stay at home and be locked in her room or locked in her home and not really coming out. Although that doesn't sound like Debbie, I personally can understand. Yeah. Um, We also find out in this scene that Brett Keller, the Hollywood director, uh, must have gotten back to Michael and Justin because they have a meeting with him Mm -hmm. also. Hunter asks if they'll be rich when the movie gets made, and Michael says, beyond their wildest and most improbable (laughs) dreams. And that sounds like good news to Hunter, so he peels off to go to school, (laughs) and he asks for an autograph for Cameron Diaz, who I guess was like, who was popping? At that you time, know she was yeah, she was kind of like on everything, everything at that time, I guess. And Michael is a bit surprised that he wouldn't rather have one from Leo or Toby. And at first, I was like, "Who the heck is Toby?" Yeah, but I was but thinking Toby, Toby. Yeah, Toby to- McGuire. Did anybody find him as a, a heartthrob? <laughs> I didn't. I was googling him last night because the new show that I'm watching, that I'm binging right now, is a guy who looks just like him. And I, I looked, and I was like, "Why?" Like, no. I mean, I guess when he was Spider-Man, I thought he was cute, but yeah. no. Everybody's beautiful in their own way. Yes, but yes. But he just was never heartthrob you, you for me. You can't put him in the Leo category No. Now. Come on. No. No. Mm. Toby. No. <laughs> See, Biscuit. No. Maybe not. Uh, ben tells Michael that he's going to stop by the post office to mail more manuscripts. And, okay, I've been poking at Ben and his book, but that's just in the context of the show. <laughs> but for all you guys and girls and everything in between or beyond... Who are writers, you keep writing and submitting your stuff to any agent and publisher with a mailbox. Like Absolutely. You're gonna yeah. get a million no's when you get that one yes with yeah. that one yes. Yeah, I always feel a kindred spirit with writers. So you just keep on submitting your boring <laughs> manuscript. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. Jokes. Uh, Michael wishes him good luck and then says it back with regards to Michael's meeting with the director, but I don't think he really means it. No, not not at all. Mm-hmm. Well, we see Michael and Emmett, and they are with Debbie picking out a tombstone for Uncle Vic. And it sounds like dress shopping. That's too small, too plain, too fancy. And then she spots the perfect one. And it is a huge sculpture of Gabriel blowing his trumpet. Mm. And the salesman's like, oh, my favorite. Like, sure, because it's probably the most expensive one out here. But it had Debbie written all over, though. Like, I can see Debbie. I I don't see Vic in that. No. But I see Debbie (laughs) all over. Yeah, if that's not on her grave, she's going to haunt everybody. Everybody, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, she is set on it. And the guy tells her that it costs $27,000. And Michael's like, for a hood ornament? (laughs) Uh, Debbie says, your Uncle Vic was a size queen, and he would have loved it. Facts. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Michael thinks that Vic would be just as happy with a simple headstone, but Debbie is not going to have Vic out here with a pauper's grave. (laughs) She is 
She wants everyone who visits Lakeview Cemetery to know how much Vic Grassi was loved by his family. And she's willing to cash in her retirement fund, take out a third mortgage on the house, pick up extra shifts at the diner. Mm-hmm. I don't think a couple extra shifts at the diner are going to no, cut it. Baby, you're going to have to pull one of those, <laughs> those hunters and be out there hooking on the street, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to get some of that fire engine red. She's going to have to get that young Deborah. <laughs> yeah, for real. You're going to have to bring out that young Deborah. You're going to have to call the gang and get some lessons again. Can you, yeah. you look rusty again? You ain't warmed up. Yeah. Uh, Michael tells her this is insane. And Debbie says that he can't tell her what she can and cannot do. It's for her brother and it's her money. And she tells the salesman to wrap it up. I say that um, Vic would think that this is another one of Debbie's eccentricities, but he didn't want Debbie struggling to pay bills, like much less pay for something like this. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. he would never want her to be struggling. I mean, she's right. talking about putting a third mortgage down on the, on the on the house. Yeah, and she's already worked. She are, barely has enough time to do anything else, so she's she gonna be working around the clock, constantly around the clock. Like I yeah. mean, girl, slow it down. He would never want you to go through all of that. Right. I get where she's coming from for two reasons: like the funeral, the tombstone. Those are the last things you can do for your loved one on this side. And so a lot of emphasis gets put on those things that really don't matter to the person who's gone on. Mm -hmm. But for the ones left behind, I feel like it's the final opportunity to show your love for them and to honor them. And so the second reason I get it, I get this for Debbie, is that I feel like she's still trying to make things right. And so So she's overcompensating. Yeah, that angel fell Mm -hmm. from the tree that they had fought over for years and whatnot. And so to her, the party wasn't perfect. It wasn't this unblemished, atoning sacrifice. But this would be that angel, the treetopper here. Well, and it's like, Okay, if I do this big ostentatious thing for him, maybe then we're even. Like, yeah. Not even, but but that'll he can be, be a risk. He'll know how yeah. I, much mm-hmm, I love him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I don't really agree with this money move for her. Yeah, but nah, but <laughs> where yeah. is she? I mean, come on now. Like mm-hmm. she'll be on her deathbed paying for right. It. Yeah, <laughs> to run herself into the grave trying to work hard enough to get this. Yeah, paid for. She might have to go get her a couple of kids and claim on some taxes, girl. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> Income yeah, I can have some stimmies. Yeah. <laughs> Baby, you're going to need some stimmies, stimmies, yeah. okay? I love that Emmett has been there every step of the way for her, though. And so so Michael's not having to do this on his own. Um, Emmett is, Emmett's there. Well, over at the diner, things are hopping. Uh, Justin is very busy, and Ted and Melanie are impatiently waiting on their orders. And they're being a little bit complainy. And while I do not approve of that type of treatment for Justin, um, but... In a way, it's kind of comforting to see Ted picking up that. Yeah, he's picking it back picking up. Picking up that old personality. Yeah, he's a little picking bit. it back up because we were getting timid, Ted. Like, he yeah, didn't want to say he's making apologies for his presence right. and himself uh-huh. all the time. And it's like, okay, but I want us to, you know, he don't have to go back to like terrible Ted. Right. <laughs> but uh, what I did like about the scene, though, was that fact that Debbie is like a key player at the diner. Like, yeah. it couldn't function without her. Although right. Justin's good and he's been there for a hot minute now. Yeah, he's getting it done, yeah. but it ain't without struggle. But it, no, it's not because, you know, we see Debbie floating around there like a butterfly. Mm-hmm. I mean, just doing her thing and killing it. And then in this scene, it was straight chaos. Yeah. It was like, oh my God, I feel bad for Jane. <laughs> like, no, no, yeah. baby, Jane. I know, don't do my sunshine like that. Uh, yeah, but I like seeing Cantankerous Ted back a little <laughs> yeah. bit. So Brian shows up back from his quote unquote trip. And he's dressed in a designer suit and he's wearing some dark sunglasses. Well, Melanie and Ted ask about his trip and he says it was incredible. The sea, the beach. He kind of forgets to mention the men, but Ted mm-hmm. supplies that part. And Brian says, well, didn't I mention that? And Ted shakes his head like surprisingly, 
no. <laughs> and then you see Brian turn and he makes his face and I'm sure his internal dialogue is like, come on, Brian, yeah, sell the lie. Exactly. <laughs> like, you're, you're losing it. Yeah, <laughs> sell the lie, <laughs> convince them. Uh, well, he's supposed to have just returned from this great trip and he's not talking about it in the way they expect Brian's sex god, Kenny, to speak about it. Right. And he asked for a cup of black coffee with no sugar. And I think a running joke based on at least one or two scenes is that Brian adds a lot of sugar to his coffee. Mm. So he must really be needing to perk up. Exactly. <laughs> he's asking for it, being straight black. Um, Melanie notices that for someone who's just been to sunny Spain, he's not very tan. And Brian does usually look a little golden. Baby, he is looking like, I mean, Casper the friendly ghost out here. Yeah. I mean, his skin is so damn white, his lips look gray. I was like, <laughs> what, the, what the hell is going yeah. on? And it was and a whole dark shade. Yeah, those dark shades and, and a dark suit. suit. Yeah. I was thinking, like, damn, he like the like he just got back from hell, literally. Like he has yeah. the, the dark shades made it like he has no eyes, like soulless. <laughs> I was like scary. Like I didn't even yeah. want to look at him. Like, damn. Yeah, well, in response to her question, he shifts a bit uncomfortably and kind of loosens his collar before telling her that it rained every day, but he found plenty to do indoors. Now that sounds more like the Brian Kenny they all know and feel ambivalent <laughs> about. Well, Justin brings over Mel's bacon and he notices Brian. Now, he's busy, so he doesn't really stop to to chat. And I think he also doesn't want to make it a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, whatever he got going on, like he doesn't want to make it a big deal because Brian's been gone for at least some days. I'm right. going to say could be a little bit longer, but it's been at least some days, I would bet. And um, their last exchange was a little bit puzzling for Justin, I'm mm-hmm. sure. So he's just kind of, you know, keeping it cool. But their little exchange, Justin says, you're back. And Brian says, and you're here. <laughs> and Justin says, I told you I would be, didn't I? He asked, how, how was this trip? And Mel and Ted say, the weather sucked, but so did the men. <laughs> and Justin says, well, I would love to hear about it, but I've got to get to class. How is he going to go to class when there was only one server, which was him? Well, I don't know. Okay. He's like, look, my shift is over. <laughs> like, okay, what happened? That's how, yeah. When you're doing shift work, it's like, whatever happens after my shift ain't my business. <laughs> I just see him not do not one piece of side work. It, it don't no matter. When, my, when it's 2 o'clock, it's 2 o'clock. It's 2 o'clock. I'm clocking out. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Justin does go over to Brian for a second and he touches him affectionately for just a minute. And we've often said, like, this is how they reconnect. Like, because mm-hmm. they, they saw each other, like, they spoke to each other, but they always reconnect in some phys- with some sort of physical touch. I feel like Justin was letting him know, hey, I'm good, we're good mm-hmm. with that quick little exchange. But I feel like there's something a little desperate about the hand Brian places on Justin's shoulder. And you can see it in his face, even behind those glasses, that he kind of just wants a minute of his time. Um, well, Justin finishes wrapping up his shift and Ted heads off to work. And Melanie plops the leftovers from Ted's <laughs> plate onto hers. And Brian looks and makes a face, but I think even he knows better yes, than to don't comment. Don't come in between a pregnant woman preg- and a bacon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> do not do it. Shit. Brian offers to give Justin a lift and Justin says, that's okay. I'm sure you've got plenty more important things to do. And I don't think he's fully being passive aggressive. No, I don't think he's being passive aggressive. He's just thinking Brian just got back. Yeah. He's... he's thought Brian was going to be doing his normal Brian thing, right. but Brian is not looking for that in this moment. I mean, yeah. he's really wanting to connect. Yeah, well, because I think it seemed to Justin like Brian was asking for some space or like our lives right. don't revolve around each other. And so I think he's just kind of respecting that and he's going to follow Brian's lead. Like, mm-hmm. well, you know where I'm at. I told you I'm here. You know, right. when you get back, you know where I'm at. Exactly. So I'm not going to hold you up. So do yeah. your thing. Go to work. Yeah, and, I'm going to follow you. Yeah. Like, it's cool. Mm-hmm. I already had a plan. To get, I've been getting there this whole time. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> you know? Uh, now, we know that Justin doesn't have all the information, so he's incorrectly interpreting why 
Brian was lashing out and why he needed that space. Of course, we know that. But I love that he never takes anything to heart. He loves and trusts Brian so much, he'll do anything to make it work. Yeah, and you can see that growth in him where in Mm -hmm. season one, something like that would have crushed him for a little little bit. And then he would have been snooping and being nosy, (laughs) being annoying, would have been everything. You was not going to keep him away. Right, but now he's even if it the sting is there initially, he reminds us, okay, this is how he is, this yeah. is how he works. Like everything is fine, unless he is saying something specifically to tell me that something's not fine. Like everything is right. everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but we are not surprised when Brian follows him out because, like what you said, Brian doesn't want the space. Right, <laughs> like, no, not right he now. Doesn't. Yeah, uh, I like all the unsubtle references in this scene, like. The two eggs. There's that little green thing. I don't know what that is. I don't either. Somebody's going to correct this. I know they will. But there's a little green thing where it's got like two round and, right. and Brian comes in and pops the second one back into place. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I feel like they've been dropping little hints about what was coming for Brian for several right. episodes. Because mm-hmm. even back in, I think, 406, when they were at the, the launch for Kinetic, uh-huh. the guy says... Uh, comments that Brian has B A L L S and uh-huh. Debbie says you don't know the half. Yes, <laughs> yeah. come through with the kids. Yeah, girl. so like that little stuff has been there for a while, but you didn't know what was coming, so right. you didn't know what what to look for. Yeah, uh, but in this scene, I also kind of like this is silly. It means nothing to anybody, but I like the three of them, Mel, Ted, and Brian, all sitting there with their ties on. Yes, no, seriously, <laughs> yeah. uh huh. Anyway, I mentioned that I don't think Brian wanted space because in the next scene, Brian is giving Justin a lift to um, to class. And he says, I was going to send you a postcard. And Justin says, oh, but the post office was on strike. <laughs> and Brian says, well, I meant to call. And Justin says, but the battery died and you didn't have your charger. And he just tells him, like, you don't need to make up excuses. Like, it is what it is. Yeah, do you? Yeah. He says, as long as you got whatever it is, it was out of your system. And Brian says, it's out all right. Yeah, <laughs> And seriously. Justin looks down at his lap, and he's in the right region, but not for the right, right reason. Right, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I really thought that, I, in my mind, I played this out as, because, you know, in the last couple episodes, Brian been kind of, like, you know, keeping Justin away from the private area. So I figured, you know, Justin loves to give car hit. So I figured that, you know, he was going to try to pull it out and Brown's going to have to, you know, disappoint him again and tell yeah. him no, no, no. And then Justin was going to get upset and I thought it was going to be some type of drama. But I'm glad it didn't have to go that route. Yeah. And it was just a conversation with Justin just reassuring him like, hey, I'm here for you. I'm glad you worked everything you need worked out. Now let's yeah. move on. Yeah. Before we continue, just the fact that Brian is trying to offer these lame excuses tells me that. The thought to call, or at least the desire to call, probably crossed his mind. Right. Like, obviously, he didn't do it. And I think it's because he didn't want to lie or have to answer any questions exactly. about what was really going on. And I think for at least some of the time, he probably was not feeling so hot. So not up to using the phone. Exactly. But I do just believe that a part of him was like, I'm not going to call, but this is probably something I should call about. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it's more of that growth that we've been talking about. Like, Brian never offers apologies, explanations, or excuses for anything but I think he feels like he owes this to Justin in a yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. And, and he wants to offer it, even if he's he going to keep his secret. wants to offer it. That's, That's the important it, thing. It is. Yeah. He wants to offer it. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to say any of that shit. Yeah. I mean, the damage was already done. He was gone. He could have just been like, okay, I'm back, whatever, what's up? But, I mean, the fact that he tr- he gave, he was going to give these excuses, you mm-hmm. know, it shows that, I mean, like. Yeah, he knew that. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'm going to slip this in here, and then we're going to move on past it, because we oh. might deal with this later. I haven't really said this, but. While I do think that there is something so heartbreakingly beautiful about that last scene they had in Brian's office last episode and how that affected Brian, like, I do think it's a little messed up that he's leaving Justin in the dark. I'm so glad that Justin is not 
so overly self-conscious with super low self-worth because Brian's behavior has been very hurtful. Right. Like even knowing what's going on with him and knowing it wasn't his intention to hurt Justin, like is a little messed up. Um, Justin's in the dark and he's just rolling with it. He's not rolling over, but he's just rolling with what's going on. Right. Well, I will say this is a good conversation starter. I will say Brian is still on brand for Brian. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, so he's no, he doing, told he he gets it, but right, yeah, yeah, he's not doing anything out of the norm. And I, I, I really can understand. You know, this kind of hits home. You know, for me, so I kind of understand what he's going through. Like when you're going through something so scary and unsure, especially being Brian Kenny, when you your whole persona is based on you being perfect, right? And um, when you're going through that. It's hard to let people in. Yeah. And then people start treating you differently. He doesn't want to be treated any differently at all. So he doesn't. He needs to go through the struggle on his own. So I understand why he's keeping him in the dark. But I think he could have been a little more loving. He didn't have to mm-hmm. be like the lies that he was going to tell why I didn't call and, you know, why I didn't send the postcard. He could have made some shit up like that, you know, yeah. and could have been a little cuter with Justin. But I think he 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 needed to wrap his head around it first. Like right. he hasn't no, understood totally it down. I totally get you know? why he like because we know Brian and Justin knows me more than we do, and so I totally get why he's being that way. I'm just saying I'm glad Justin's not yeah internalizing this and making it all personal because you know even though Brian told him like it's not you, you're not the problem, but he's not giving any other info. Yeah, and he is yeah. kind of pushing him away. So, I mean, it could make Justin feel a certain type of way. If he was one of those type of people um, that has low self-esteem, I mean, this could be very disturbing and alarming for him. Because all he knows is like, okay, he's got some kind of issue. He won't talk to me about it. He won't even really touch me or deal with me. And whatever the issue is, he felt like the only way to fix it was to go to Spain and have an orgy. Right. And so that could be a little hurtful. Yeah, true. True, (laughs) true. Um, But anyway, we're going to, I know that's not, I know that Justin understands it, and I know why Brian's doing what he's doing, but I just had to slip that in there. Anyway, they pull up at PIFA, which apparently you can just enroll in at any time. <laughs> I, I mean, so. it's just 24-7, 365 <laughs> enrollment, because last episode, it was like, you're going back to school. It's like, okay, it's this Wednesday. Week, yeah, this week you're in. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but before Justin gets out of the car, Brian says, uh, by the way, I missed you. Now, pause. Have so, you ever heard that? No. And let's rewind mm-hmm. to season two, back when uh, Brian went to Chicago and Justin went to Vermont. When they were both back home together for the first time, Justin asked Brian if he missed him, and Brian didn't give him a verbal answer. Mm-hmm. Like, those weren't words that Brian could or would say at the time. Now, he showed him that he missed right, him exactly. there against the column at the yes. loft, but uh, he didn't say the words. And so here he says he volunteers the words like Justin doesn't have to ask. He volunteers the words. So mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Um, and now, Justin knows how vulnerable Brian must feel to be telling him that he missed him. Right. And putting his truth and his heart out there like that. So he goes to something that would make Brian more comfortable. Like before, Brian showed that he missed him in a physical way. So Justin's like, I know that makes you more comfortable. I mm-hmm. appreciate what you said. And I'm glad that you said that. But he goes to make him more comfortable. And so he tells Brian to prove it. And uh, so Brian kisses him and Justin says, you'll have to do better better than that. that. (laughs) Yeah. And so he does it again. And Sunshine is still not convinced. (laughs) So it's a really cute little game and possibly a little bit of harmless payback that restores the balance in their relationship. And Mm -hmm. not like power dynamic balance, but just that symbiosis, that harmony there. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to point out the little humming that Justin does in this scene. Somebody emailed me and told me to 
point that out. So <laughs> I, I, maybe I missed that. I didn't catch. Yeah. That well, he was just like, oh no, not convinced. And then oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, it was so cute though. It was yeah. such a cute, cute. So cute finally, scene. Brian lays one on him good enough to make Justin believe him, and he pulls away to go to class. <laughs> and before he can get out, Brian says, "I'll see you tonight." But there, but even that, like, you can tell he's hopeful. And he's yes. a little bit worried and a little bit fearful as he waits for the answer. And Justin's like, yeah, maybe if I'm in town mm-hmm. and he might because he might be off to Hollywood. Now, I'm kind of sensing something in Brian's response to that, but I'm going to move past it. What are you sensing? Well, it's him possibly leaving. And so, right. you know, but I think Brian's got some interesting thoughts about the whole rage movie thing. Um, well, you don't think Brian, you don't think, oh, I mean, he he has his reservations for sure, just yeah. like Ben has the reservations. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, he knows that Justin's going to do what's yeah, best for yeah. Justin. Yeah, yeah, and he's not jealous or anything, right. but I just, we'll talk about it in okay. a minute if it comes if it comes up. Uh, well, when Justin gets out of the car, Brian takes off his glasses, and now we see how not okay he right. really is. And he stares after Justin, and in my mind, I think he's nervous and hopeful because he hopes that he will be okay, but more than that, he hopes that they will be okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's break this down a little bit because I just want to. <laughs> so the first thing that Brian did after getting himself up and dressed was go to the diner right. because he probably knew or at least suspected that's that Justin, that's where Justin would be, would be at. He'd be working. And he's trying really hard to look and act okay, but he does not look good. <laughs> and uh, and I mean, he's always handsome, but he looks real right. sticky yeah, right now. Yeah, he does. Uh, I mean, he's got a new business to get back to, and I'm sure Cynthia has all sorts of notes and messages for him. But the very first thing that he did, as soon as he felt like he see could, Justin. yeah, was go to see Justin and then offer him this this kind of pitiful excuse because he wanted to make sure that they were okay. Mm-hmm. Checking and I, in, yeah, I just feel like he needed to see Justin in order to believe what Justin said that he'd be there when he get back. Got back. I yeah. feel like he just needed to see him to confirm that that was true. Do you think if Justin wasn't there, that would have sent Brian through a, a different type of spiral? Or would Brian would have faked it and be like, oh, I'm, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm good, and he would have did no drugs, no nothing? Like, how, what do you think Ooh. if Justin really was gone, like, last time when he left? Uh-huh. You know, like, when Brian went to Chicago and then Justin was yeah. like, I'm not waiting, I'm going to, where'd they go? Connecticut, Maryland, somewhere on the East Coast. He went He went to Vermont. Vermont, yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, if if Justin was gone uh-huh. and not waiting for him at all, how do you think Brian would handle that? Well, it would be interesting because if Justin still is in the dark and doesn't know what's going on and he was just gone, I think in Brian's mind, he's probably like me and someone where you make something bigger than it really right. is. And so he would, why is he gone? Where's he at? When's he coming back? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I think he would have been calling him like right. we saw back in the pink posse. Like, yeah. Hey, where are you? What are you doing? So I definitely think he would have been trying to, trying to locate him. Mm-hmm. And then probably would have been a little bit paranoid that some kind of way Justin found out something or whatever. So, And don't mm. want to be with him like, oh, you're not perfect. You're damaged. I don't want to be with you. I think that he would have had those intrusive thoughts. Yeah. That's so sad to even yeah. hear Brian even think something like that, you know? I but, know. Well, I think a lot of people don't, they forget that, like, just how wounded and broken he is right. in, in some ways. Because he looks so yeah, I know. larger than life and he Always. seems like everything's fine, but like. He is really, in some ways, a kid begging for somebody to to love him, kind of. Yeah. So true. 
Lindsay is over at the gallery working her magic on a potential buyer, but then Scummy Sam slunks over to her. He does. <laughs> yeah. Why do I have a thing for all the scumbags? You do. I you do. love all the scumbags. I do. I love all the scumbags. <laughs> I was so happy to see him. I was like, damn. Yeah, is that a, it's a Kanye West song? It's like, have a toast for the douchebags? Yeah, that for real. <laughs> Shit. I had to give that three snaps. I was like, go on, Lindsay, girl. Get him. Yeah. Well, he ends up costing her a sale, and Lindsay takes a verbal shot at him, and he tells her that he doesn't want another pop on the kisser, <laughs> and he's wearing a bandage, but it's really just to make her feel bad, mm-hmm. and he snatches it off and gives it to him, like, yeah, I don't want all your blackheads. I know. that was so, And she took it. <laughs> yeah, she okay. took it. Anyway, Miranda is with him, but he she's got a box of his stuff while well, he sends her off to get him a sandwich. Oh, Miranda. Oh, Lord, girl. But... We find out that Sam has agreed to do the exhibit. He was convinced by by Lindsay or the that, that money right or hook. a combination. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> things. But I think he was convinced because he never had someone speak to him or address him in that in that in that way. Yeah. He probably has a lot of yes people around him. Right. And everything's yes, sir, yes. I mean, you're so great. You're so wonderful. But Lindsay was real. She was mm-hmm. honest. She was raw. And she didn't come she came as a fan, but she wasn't, you know, starstruck. Right. She came as somebody who respected his work. And and really loved it and wanted to really showcase it right. to hide him. And I think finally after he got past all of that, because, you know, he's such a sexist ass man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But once once he got through all of that and the punch in the face, you know, I think he had time to think about it, like, damn, you know, like she's a real ass chick. I mean, she really, really rocked with me. And he had to, he had to come and get her, you know. <laughs> I mean, I guess there is some I guess there is some appeal to him. I mean, he says what he wants. He's very talented. He has money. In some ways, he's kind of like Brian. Now, Brian's not sleazy, but... And he's it's sexy that se- to me. Something about that scruffy look. You know, he has, like, <laughs> that salt and pepper beard and yeah. just the scruffy oh, hair. Yeah, you and the older man, yeah. yeah. I don't know what it is. Something about the older man. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely got this what-you-see-is-what-you-get thing going, which, you know, anyway... He tells Lindsay about his gold digging ex-wives. And <laughs> I'm inclined to believe that he marries his like muse of the moment yes. or these trophy women. And then when they don't want to put up with him anymore, he's like, they're the problem. Yeah, they're, no, yeah. it's you and they should drain your ass. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, it sounds like they are. That phone <laughs> yes, call that he got. Yeah. For real. Um, and he asks Lindsay if she can cook. He's like, you know, none of these, none of my ex-wives can cook. You know, they can't even do that. And she says she's a great cook. And he asks when he's going, when she's going to invite him for dinner. And I would love to see Melanie tear into him. Like, that's the I only know. reason I would be down for this dinner invite. I was so ready. I was like, ooh. Yeah, I, I want him wait. to get on him like she was on that bacon and pancakes. Oh, early. for real, girl. Okay. Because she <laughs> yeah. was on the rampage on yeah. that. Uh, well, then Michael and Justin are out at a meeting with Brett Keller. And he is really, like, wooing them. Took them mm-hmm. to this really nice restaurant. And Justin brought out the blue V-neck sweater for this. So, you know, it's serious. Like, I'm sure he could buy a button down shirt. But I like that. He's just like, nah, I'm gonna put on this wrinkled sweater and these cargo pants. That part, okay. <laughs> and that's just what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just really does not care about about his clothes. And I kind of wonder if that's a deliberate choice that they made for his character, because he's not super vain about his looks. Like he eventually... Even when in season one, when they were like, you're cute. He was like, oh, what? Really? I am. But right. now he like. He owns that, but he knows he knows he's cute. But it yeah, is, it's not but the they didn't go like stereotypical twink with him, mm-hmm. where he's all about his looks and yeah. you know his face routine. He and has all brains. Stuff. He has substance behind. Yeah, him. and he's just like he's like I need to wear clothes. So just yeah. throw something on, and you know if he's going to Babylon, he might try to you know do a little something. Right. But just on day to day, he don't he don't really care. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, he just 
like I just said, though, I mean, it's because he he has more to offer than just his looks. Some yeah. some of the younger gays out here, all they think they have to offer is looks. I know right. I was one of them. So I mean, all I thought was is my looks. I got to be perfect. My my clothes. Da da da. I didn't think that I could match you um, intellectually. I like that they did that with uh, with his character. Also, Justin Taylor is getting things done. I mean, in one day he was working this morning. He attended class or classes. He has a meeting with Hollywood director right now. Crazy. And he's got a little appointment with his super hot boyfriend later. So, oh, man, I want that schedule. <laughs> he is winning yes, at life. for real, yeah, for real. So it seems. Uh, Brett Keller is telling them what he thinks about rage. And he says, finally, an honest gay superhero who's out, who has a boyfriend, who has intimate relations yes, with that boyfriend. He's fucking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's basically queer as folk. Yeah. <laughs> he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Gay and lesbian people don't just do hair and provide commentary for their straight friends. Mm-hmm. Like they actually have partners, they have hookups, they have sex, they have life going on. And we so, have a real life. We're not yeah, always you're real a people. Like they're real people. Yes. Um, yeah, that's what he was saying, which is basically just exactly what this show is. Michael and Justin tell him that they do have some concerns that someone might want to change things like make rage straight. And Brett Keller threatens the goods of anyone who tries to <laughs> do that. Uh, he wants to keep the movie gritty, dark, and edgy, just like the comic, which it has the potential to be super, super successful. And he also thinks that they could have their pick of actors to play Rage. And Michael says, I thought straight actors won't take gay roles. Now, that that's was a so whole funny. four-hour episode yes. on that topic. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Brett Keller says that they will line up for it. Johnny and the giant Depp, Depp yeah, mm-hmm. Ashton, and Kutcher. then uh, Matt Damon. Or, yeah, Damon, yeah, yeah not Dylan. Not Dylan, yeah, not Dylan. Damon yeah. for sure. Because uh-huh. Damon uh, was popping then. He was, yeah. But, um, yeah. So, Justin says when he thinks of the role of Rage, he pictures Brian. Well, Brett, of course, is like, who is that? And Justin says he's my my boyfriend. And Michael quickly jumps in. And my best friend. I was like, if you don't get <laughs> your coat like, riding, girl, sit down. <laughs> please, take several seats. <laughs> yeah, okay, girl. Uh, Brett asks if he's as gorgeous as Rage and Justin's like oh yeah and Michael blushes saying well some people think so and, and Justin's just, like oh, Justin looks at him like don't even try it everybody says <laughs> you're the first one in line to say that he is yeah so they invite him to Babylon the next night mm-hmm. and he just so happens to get a call at that at that moment from Colin Farrell Lord. and uh, you know in my mind I just want to say that's probably his assistant and they're like you told me to call you at this time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know how they play the games, girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm. Well, then we see Debbie, and she is rearranging the buttons on her on her vest. And it's kind of like laying out your outfit before the first day of school because <laughs> we find out that she's getting ready to go back to right. work. Uh-huh. So she wants to make sure her button game is on point with well, her I mean, vest. She has a million. Yeah. Uh, she has one of a rooster and one that says metrosexual, but it's crossed out. I don't think right. we use that term anymore. No, I, that's faded out. Yeah, because I know right. that was a term for men who did a lot of like self-care mm-hmm. or cared about their wardrobe or their eyebrows or their face routine or whatever. Um, now we just call that self-love. Yeah, self-care. exactly. Yeah, because it's like that doesn't, do it. that doesn't put you in this weird category yeah. between being gay or straight because you care about right. your yourself and so, your appearance. So you trying to tell me that straight men, y'all walk around with some nasty, dirty-ass faces and you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And your nails are always looking nasty. I mean, yeah. uh, maybe the nails, but you, you you can't get your face, you know what I'm saying, taken right. care of. You can't get You can't cleansed. care if your clothes match, yeah, like, you know. You can't have good hair. 
Right. I mean, God. Okay. Well, shit. Yeah. Society is the worst sometimes. But yeah, because I definitely remember people saying, well, no, they're not gay. They're it's just metro. metro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, uh-uh. Oh, man. The improvements that we have made. The progress that we have made. Thank yeah. you, Ryan Seacrest, for making it popular. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, Emmett comes in with a tray of food to try to get Debbie to eat because he's still trying to take care of her. I'm so glad he lives with her. Could uh-huh. you imagine the state Debbie would be in if Emmett wasn't there oh, able no. to check in on Maybe her? Maybe she wouldn't even have the red wig on. No, okay, no. like, <laughs> it'd be snatched with little plaits underneath. Like. Yeah. She offers to take it. She says she's not hungry. She offers to take it back downstairs so she can practice for getting back to the diner. And she says, you know, Vic's tombstone isn't going to pay for itself. There's a knock at the door, and she thinks it's Michael coming by to tell her to give it more time before she goes back to work. Well, we detect a certain detective at the door. Yes. It's Carl Horvath. Girl, my heart melted. <laughs> oh, my God, Carl. Thank you for showing up. I've missed you. Yeah. Well, he is in the know because he knows that Vic has passed, and he has sent flowers, which is a very sweet gesture. Extremely. Yeah, and Emmett offers him some fruitcake that they had left over from Christmas. But... I bet he's looking like, like Christmas. <laughs> yeah, but he, he doesn't know that was a couple days <laughs> yes, ago exactly. for, for them. Um, well, he came by to see if Debbie wanted to grab dinner, which sounds great to Emmett. I mean, he was just trying to feed her. He's like, okay, perfect excuse. She can go eat with him. But Debbie says maybe some other time. I hate that she always shuts him down. I know she's she going through something. But girl, clearly you need somebody yeah. to speak with. You know, like, God, she always shuts the door on him. But I love that he never gives up, ever. He never gave up on her. So I still got hopes that he's not going to give up on Debbie now because yeah. this is when she needs you the most. I know. She needs you, Carl. Even if they could just be friends, like, yeah, I want them to still be. Because they would be, be great friends. Yeah, I want them to still be in each other's lives. Mm-hmm. Well, over at the loft, Justin is telling Brian about the meeting with Brett Keller. Like, Brett loves it. He thinks it's genius. Like, all is good. Brian gives him a smile, but he looks really weary because he's coming in from work. So Justin says when he told Brett that Rage was based on Brian, he wanted to meet him. So they, he's like, we made plans to go to Babylon, depending on your availability. Brian is undressing, getting ready to shower off the work day. And when he bends over to take his leg out of his pants, he looks a little stiff and like he's in pain. Well, Justin notices that and asks if he hurt himself. And Brian tells him that he sprained a muscle when he was in um, Ibiza. Now, here's one thing that I, was, I don't want to like go backward, but anytime Brian tells a lie in this episode, it's obvious that Brian is lying mm-hmm. for anyone who knows him because generally he just... He doesn't. Brian's not he a character. Wouldn't even answer you, right? He's not a character who lies. He yeah. will just not say anything to keep from telling a lie right. most of the time. And so when he lied to Melanie, like he was physically uncomfortable. Here he's lying to Justin. He's like he's not making eye contact. And he, yeah, you can tell you can when see Brian him is retreating lying. inside. Yeah, it's almost like you can see his wheels turning in his head, trying to think of like, oh my god. It, yeah, because that's so believable. not his normal. Mm-hmm. He has to really think about it. Right. He's about to tell because Brian wouldn't even address it. Like mm-hmm. he's the type of person. Like if I don't want to answer it for one, don't ask me no questions. Whatever I want you to know, I will disclose to you. So you don't you don't don't ask it because you're probably gonna get the answer you want. Right. <laughs> well, he tells Justin that he sprained a muscle, like I said, and Justin can guess which one. He comes over to Brian and when he looks at him, he notices that he looks really tired. Mm-hmm. And Brian writes it off his jet lag and he says, I'm fabuloso, senor. Uh and that he's keeping up this whole charade. Now, Justin is not a fan of Brian's new underwear. <laughs> he notices that, and Brian shows him what he thinks of his opinion. But what stands out is that he closes the door mm-hmm. to the bathroom. And, you know, because of the context of the situation, Justin doesn't think of it. But we know, like... He would never. He, he would never. Said, Come in. I didn't even know that bathroom had a door. I didn't either. Because <laughs> he would have never shut it. Like, he probably wouldn't have expected him to already strip down and be in the bathroom with him. Yeah. You know, Because mm-hmm. so. that's typically how it would go. Right. Uh, 
It's something like that. So, you know, they were having this kind of playful moment where Justin insulted him. And so it looks like Brian's just being bratty. No big deal. Justin didn't really think about it. But when Brian goes to the shower, the phone rings and the machine picks up and it's Dr. Rabinowitz from the Johns Hopkins Oncology Center. And he'd like to discuss Brian's post-surgery options. Now, the Johns Hopkins Oncology Center is not in Ibiza. And the doctor (laughs) just put all of Brian's business out there. He'd like to discuss his post-surgery options. And Justin's about to call Brian, but then he stops to listen to this. And you know he's just like putting these pieces together and trying to figure out what to do. Which is extremely frightening for him. Yeah. He's thinking, you know, oh, it's some, maybe, it's, maybe it's still something that I did, but I got to let him work through it. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what's going on. But to find out that, you know, it's dealing with cancer. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine the thoughts that are racing through yeah. Justin's head right now? Right. And Crazy. it's like, okay. What do I do? He, yeah, like, he hasn't brought this up, so I can't really go and be like, hey, I just heard this message. Right, exactly. But, and then you want to come off being nosy and intrusive right. on the business because clearly if he hasn't told you right. and you're his boyfriend, clearly it's something he's not ready to address yet. So, right. Like, damn, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't it's, know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we see Lindsay, and uh, she did invite Sam over for dinner. Her and Melanie are there. And I was really expecting Melanie to tear into him because, remember, Lindsay had already told, told her, her some stuff happened. about mm-hmm. Sam. And so I knew that Lindsay, Melanie would go into this with her eyes open about him. But but she's keeping it cute at right. the at the dinner table. Maybe pregnancy is uh, um, bringing it yeah. a different side. <laughs> yeah, kind of mellowing her out. <laughs> Uh, well, he's telling them a funny family story about uh, painting and family not appreciating your work. And Melanie says that doesn't happen in their house. She is very proud of Lindsay and she's always supporting her work. And Lindsay's being all modest, saying she dabbles a little bit. Right. But Melanie is bragging on her wife, which is good for you, Melanie. Mm-hmm. And she tells Lindsay to show Sam some of her work. Lindsay's really shy about it, but Sam tells her to get over that. He says that every artist is, is a self-centered, egomaniacal fascist. <laughs> and... Uh, Every artist might not take it to Sam's extreme, but you do have to be confident in the work that you produce and in your craft. True. So you've got to be convinced that this is good, even if no one else is. Absolutely. <laughs> so, That's in all type of arts. Yeah, acting, yeah. Any kind I of mean, art. Anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the three of them go up and he takes a look at some of Lindsay's abstract art and he compliments the colors. <laughs> and uh, he says something else is cute. But that's not really the high praise no, you, you want to hear. I think Bambi's uh, Thumper's mother said, if you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. Yeah. I'm glad that he was really nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad he had some good things to say. But yeah, I think that's pretty restrained coming from him. Because he don't hold nothing back. No. and But even as he's saying that, Melanie is still trying to be an encouragement. Right. To She's like, no, you know, hold on. Let's, yeah. It's okay. So she had to go to another piece. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She goes and pulls out something uh something else but before that he asked Lindsay he's like hey what's important is what you think about your work he's like I create my own stuff but mm-hmm. who, who, who am, am I, I? To, mm-hmm. yeah to critique somebody else's stuff it, it matters what you think and she says she thinks that her pieces are academic derivative and uninspired and that's why she stopped so yeah I my, agree though I, I ain't really yeah, see nothing that I, I know like, <laughs> I mean not to be funny like girl y'all just had a whole lady sit up in your house for real cause problems so you can have a whole art room and this is what you produce and this is <laughs> Baby girl, get it together. Y'all had a whole threesome because of this shit. Right. That almost broke it broke up a friendship, everything. Yeah, like, yeah. almost uh, broke up a marriage, and this yeah. is what she came up with. Baby girl, <laughs> get inspired. Yeah. Uh, well, Sam says, you know, there must have been something that inspired you once. And he's all, like, staring up in her face and standing all close to her. And, you know, Melanie's not going to leave it with Lindsay feeling 
this way, feeling this way about herself and her art and her talent. So she pulls out an old sketch that Lindsay did of a homeless man who she used to pass on her way to class every day. And it looks amazing. It looks uh, really amazing. good. And Sam studies it. And I think now he can see her as an artist. Mm-hmm. You know, he can, he can see that thing in her. True. I thought he was studying like, oh, this. I was like, this old scummy, slimy motherfucker. I was like, is he finna steal how he is? <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> now that finna... could still happen. Yeah. I w- is it? <laughs> I'm not telling you. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, uh-uh, he a scumbag. Like, girl, don't show him everything. Yeah, you gotta hold <laughs> something back. Yeah, yeah. you can sign an NDA. Yeah, you know we don't trust him. Uh, well, Justin pulls up on Michael at Red Cape, and uh, he asks Michael if he knew about Brian, that he didn't go to Abita, that he went to Johns Hopkins. And Justin s- tells him about the message on the phone, and he called the hospital and found out that Dr. Rabinowitz is an oncologist who specializes in testicular cancer. Like, Justin was following the trail. Boy, like, come through. You can find him at the bottom of it, because he going to find out what's going on. For real, for real. <laughs> yeah. Bloodhound with a scent. Yeah. But Michael looks genuinely surprised, and Justin says, well, if he didn't tell you and he didn't tell me, who did he tell? And Michael guesses nobody. He says if he wanted us to know, he would have told us, which is true. And Justin says, well, what are we supposed to do? Keep our mouths shut? Act like we don't know anything? And Michael says, well, that's clearly what he wants, and so that's exactly what we'll do. Yeah. Uh, I so Girl. yeah. Before we deal with it, I will say I like the addition of that like life size rage display in there because these two men have always seen Brian as this larger than life person. Facts. Like Justin said on the first night that he met him, like I just saw the face of God, and his name yeah. is Brian Kinney. Uh-huh. And we know Michael has always seen Brian as something of a superhero, mm-hmm. and so they know he has his flaws, sure, but overall he's always seemed so strong and constant and indestructible. Finding out that this is happening with him, that's you know, really devastating to learn that about your hero. True. And so I like that we get to see that they did but have that. I like you know. how they kept it together. I like how they kept it together. And um, they they decided that they're not going to bring it to his attention that they know. Yeah. Because clearly if he wanted them to know, he would have told them. So mm-hmm. he's, they're going to let him work through his own things and let, let his normal life go, continue to go. And they found that they, at least they know that he went to the hospital. He's right. actually taking action on it. So yeah. it's being watched and monitored. But um, I loved in this scene here. Yes, we have more to talk about. Oh, but yeah. in this scene, it was more about, okay, we know what's going on. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I can't believe he didn't tell you. So if he didn't tell you, it's something's very important. Let's don't let him know we know. Let's just keep it the same. You know, yeah. let him get reacclimated back to us. Yeah. Uh, what was your thoughts? Well, a couple things. One, okay, I think it would be a lot. it's going to be a lot easier for Michael to pretend he doesn't know anything than for Justin to pretend right. he doesn't know anything. Because Michael's just a friend. Justin is actually well, having I mean, sex Well, I mean, Justin is sleeping day. next to him yeah. most nights, if not every night. And extremely I mean, emotionally connected. Yeah, he's in his space possibly every day, or at the very least, I'm sure they talk to each other every day. Right. I mean, Justin was the first person that Brian sought out when he got back. Right. And so it's going to be really, it's going to be harder for him to do, or it should be harder for him to do than for Michael right. to do. Um, okay, Let's chat for a minute. Do you think Justin is wrong for going to Michael about this? Absolutely not, because Michael normally knows everything. And also, if we go, if you're going to be my business partner and you know that Justin, I mean, you know, Brian is my man like that and something serious, I don't give a damn about him with some twinks or some other yeah. anything else. But this is life threatening. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is something scary. You, you let me know what's up. You should yeah, be able like, to trust me by res- now. Respect me respect enough me. to tell me that even if you know, because you know how he is. Yes. So you know, he probably ain't going to tell me, but respect me enough to come. And tell me, and I really do think that he thought Justin. He that, Justin thought that Michael really yeah, because knew because I don't think he would have said anything yeah. to Michael if if he didn't think that, right. that Michael knew. Yeah, but that's why he came in. He was adamant. Like, did you know? 
Yeah. Like, don't fucking play with me. Did you know? Yeah. Like, uh-huh. I'm for real. Like, yeah. I mean, you can say that Justin should have confronted Brian, but that would have gotten you nowhere. Nowhere. Because Brian will either shut down or lash out if he feels cornered. And if Brian didn't tell him, Justin's saying, okay, he had to have told somebody, and he thinks that he told Michael. But the one he should have went to, though, I wouldn't have went to Michael. You know Michael can't keep shit. <laughs> I was like, don't tell him. Yeah, you did say yeah, that. Yeah, don't tell him. You should have went to Lindsay. Yeah. That would be the one. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, but so then she would, would be all up in Brian's face if, uh, yeah. if she knew. But, um, mm-hmm. but I don't, but it's interesting because he has these close relationships with Michael and Lindsay, and then he has his, his relationship with Justin. That's a different thing. But with Michael and Lindsay, it's really kind of interesting to see what eggs he places in those baskets. Right. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't put all of his eggs in mm-hmm. one basket, generally, not when it comes to the two of them. And so it's really interesting what the things that he chooses to tell one right. or the other. Mm-hmm. 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 I, I do. That's a whole, we'll do a whole episode on that one day. We could, though. Because, yeah. I mean, those are his, that's his bestie circle right there. Right. Those and are the so just like, what best. is the determining factor in what gets told to Michael versus what gets told to Lindsay? Right. Well, mm-hmm. he knows for a fact, like, Lindsay is his rider, but Michael is that ride or die. Yeah, so, and I, I think mean, it depends on what he needs in yes. the moment. Mm-hmm. Because Michael's not necessarily going to give him advice or help him, like, see something reasonably or logically or whatever. Right. That's not really what Michael does. Mm-hmm. Um, well, y'all, like we said, we're going to be able to cover this yeah. on another day. Yeah. Would y'all like to hear that breakout? Just let us know if y'all yeah, want to hear that breakout. My, my mind jumped on that, yeah, and I was quick. really about to go into it. And no, we've got too much more to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, Michael ain't ever been able to hold a secret for long. Um, but Justin was probably thinking, I bet he would keep this one from me. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I bet he would keep it from me. Um, because this is a super rare occasion where Justin shows a bit of frustration over Michael and Brian's friendship. Like he generally respects it and stays out of the way, even if he's mad at one or both of them. But you can see on his face when he got to the shop that he was a little bit over the Brian and Mikey show in this specific right. situation if they had kept this from him. That scene also triggers me back into the scene where um, Michael confronts Justin. Like, he follows him out from the restaurant into yeah. the back when he's throwing the trash out and asking him, like, when he was messing with... Why don't um, you go away? Yeah, yeah, yeah why don't yeah. you go away? I'm um, doing the Ethan thing. It kind of triggered me back there, but in reverse with Justin asking Michael, like, what's up? Like, did you know this? I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. That's why I would have been annoyed. Like, you know everything else. You're always in everything else. Right. You but, make it a point to, yeah, to, to, be, to tell everybody you know him better right. than anyone. Yeah. But you, you, you but you don't know this. And you. And if you knew, you're not sharing the details with your business partner. Yeah. Like, I could never trust you. Yeah, yeah. I really just think that he thought Michael knew. Right. Because if he just wanted to talk through this with somebody, he would have called his people. Exactly. Daphne or even Jennifer. Right. Like, yeah, he wouldn't have gone to Michael if he yeah, just wanted to talk about it. Anyway, so we see Brian at Kinetic and he's conducting a staff meeting. And the sales for Indovere are up 18% since the launch of the new campaign, which is great news. Yeah. And Ryan seems to be having a bit of a time conducting this meeting. And really, Ted is the first one who notices and draws attention to it. Then everyone else is like, okay, what's going on? He's kind of slumped over the table. He's gulping down water. Talking slow. Yeah. mm -hmm. No energy. Yeah. Looks super lethargic. So he go. He takes a minute and goes to his office, and Ted follows him, very concerned about him, genuinely concerned about him. And Brian tells him he's just tired from his trip, and he barks at him to get back to the meeting. And Ted says, well, you don't have to be so testy. <laughs> well, Brian yes. is, yeah, I just think Brian is doing a horrible job with his at-home post-op care. Like, horrible. he is supposed to be gradually working up to walking this much, like, over a week or two. Right. <laughs> Not, like, immediately after you get back. 
Well, we see Debbie, and she's back at the diner, and she's a little rusty. She's getting the orders mixed up and Ooh. such. And I'm thinking, Debbie, if you need 27 k yes. baby, this ain't the kind of service that's going to get it. Because, boo-boo, you about to get <laughs> pennies left on the table, yeah. if that, you know? Like, yeah. I have never seen a group of people so angry. Mm-hmm. They were, <laughs> they were so catty. Yeah. Uh, Emmett comes in to escort her home, and... He's looking out for her still, and she tells him that she doesn't get off for basically another 12 hours because she picked up another shift. Well, a friend of Vic's comes over to offer his condolences, and he says that Vic was always talking about how great of a relationship they had, how she was more than a sister. She was his best friend, and he understands that it may be a difficult time for her right now, but at least she knows that um, how much he loved her. At least she has that comfort of knowing how much he loved her. I think that probably hit worse oh, you yeah. know, for her. Like, mm-hmm. Although it's supposed to be comforting. That hit so hard. Yeah, it was to her. like he spoke so well about me to everybody and I said else. All these horrible and look things. what I said directly yeah. to him. Yeah. yeah. That mm-hmm. that just broke her spirits right there. Yeah, because well, she starts to get a bit overcome and she drops a tray of food in the middle of the noisy and very busy diner. Yeah. But at least she has Emmett there to save her. Though. Yeah, because he takes her home and so we see her sitting there at the kitchen table in her robe and Michael they've called Michael in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh they tell her that they're looking out for her, and that it's way too soon for her to go back. And she needs to take a few more days off, if not a couple of weeks. Just really give herself time. And for, she's, for one, is she going to get fired if she keeps that For real. It <laughs> will not be a diner. Okay? Yeah. She says that she has to go to work because she has to pay for Vic's monument. And she tells them that they don't understand. They don't have a clue. But she also doesn't give them any hint right. as to what's going on with her. Then we see Lindsay, and she's at Sam's hotel suite, and I'm guessing she's there to pick out some sketches and drawings for the exhibit. Girl, they pouring up liquor. Yes, okay. I probably would have conducted this business at the office. And knowing his character, yeah, uh, you know uh, where my mind goes, because before... When when they were in the attic, he was licking her like licking his lips with her wife, with her right wife there. there. I was like, these hoes better not have no damn threesome. You know what I'm saying? Like they well, bed. You know not. they prone to. I it. know for real, for real. So when we get to the hotel and, and he's he getting the bourbon or the scotch ready, whatever yeah. it is, I'm like, oh lord! Like he got the shoes off too. I was like, yeah. okay, Lindsay finna get that stuff up. <laughs> Lindsay about to give that stuff the up. The cookies are not going to stay in the jar. No, for real. No, baby. <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh-uh. Keep on looking. Yeah. Um. Well, Sam tells Lindsay that no one would believe that a beautiful blonde could be so smart, honest, funny, and supremely talented. And she says it's not that uncommon. And it's not because even just on this show, there are tons of blondes who are beautiful, smart, honest, funny, and, ex- and supremely talented. Cynthia, Blake, yes. Jennifer. Ah! Like, not even just our main people. Anyway, Lindsay doubts that he has ever really bothered to know any of the women that he has wooed into his bed or married. And she says that he basically told her that her talent was anything but but supreme. And he tells Lindsay that her drawing of the homeless man was supreme, but she hasn't done anything like that in years because she's not felt inspired. And she says she's too busy being a wife and a mom and working and Sam says those are all excuses. Like, nothing stops you if you're an artist. Like, mm-hmm. you're eventually going to get back to it. And so he throws her a pad and tells her to draw something, whatever inspires her. And she picks Sam. Um, and he takes off all his clothes. And Lindsay does the worst job of, of averting her gaze. Girl, she was... Well, <laughs> those eyes one, keep going south of the border. <laughs> let me just go ahead and say, before she even looked over there, he was getting naked. I saw a little swang, swang, swang. <laughs> 
through the crack. Okay, y'all know I'm a I'm a peep it. I said, "Ooh, girl, I think he got some meat on him." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> then Lindsay looks up. She can't eat, like you said, can't keep the eyes from down below from the South Pole yeah. or whatever the case. Because I. I'm thinking like, damn, does she want to get on the South Pole? I mean, I don't know. Because I was thinking, the way she was looking, and he was like, don't stare. I was like, I told you he had the meat. He had the meat. Where's the beef? He got it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sam has the beef. Yeah. Girl, beef cake. Yeah, like, all right now, Lindsay. Um, and Sam, that old Jack Lynn. Yes, girl. <laughs> That's my favorite insult, by the way, is to call people <laughs> Jack Lynn. And I use it wrong all the time. But I don't care. Like, <laughs> it just feels so, like, demoralizing yes. and satisfying to say it. <laughs> girl, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and he's got that saxophone in that hotel room. Like, who's he think he is? Bill girl, Clinton. For real, that part, okay. And he had that cigar? He did, okay. yeah. He had the cigar. He, you know, he's putting all the moves on the women he in is. that. Yeah. But he is charming, though. And I love how he he pushes her. Like, he's not afraid. Like, if I inspire you, then get all of me. I want every flaw. I want every crevice, every wrinkle, you know, every inch, everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. About me is I want you to go ahead and, you know, and give it to me. And I love that he did that for her. Yeah. Uh, So then we see Justin and Brian at Babylon because they're supposed to meet with Brett Keller. Um, and Justin sees a particularly interesting and hard to believe sight. And Brian tells him to put his eyes back in his pants because the guy is <laughs> a bottom. And Justin would be upset about this. Like, don't you question my my top skills? Mm-hmm. But uh, but he looks over at Brian and he's kind of slumped over and looking pretty worn out. And um, now knowing what Justin knows, he it says, yeah, "Yeah, hey, why don't we get out of here?" And Brian says, "Well, the night's still under thirty. He's probably he's now he's jealous of the night, right? Ex- exactly. <laughs> the night can be young, but he can't. <laughs> Bless his heart. Girl, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I'm dead." Uh, Michael comes over then and gives Brian a hug, and he asks Brian how he is, but then he corrects him, it's like, "Well, how was your trip?" And Brian says he almost didn't come back. And again, that's another phrase that hits different when you know that Brian's original yeah, plan was to, to go mm-hmm. to Abitha. Uh, like, yes, there's a risk of complication or fatality with any medical procedure. But in the very beginning of last episode, we were told that Brian had a 99 percent yeah. chance of successful surgery and recovery. Mm-hmm. Now, 99 percent success rate and almost didn't come back don't really make sense nah, together. At all. And so to our knowledge, there were no complications with his surgery or anything with the procedure. So he can't be referring to that. Mm-hmm. He has to be referring to him leaving not, yeah, and not taking and, the surgery and, and not coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or at least that's how it seems to me. That's right. what makes sense to no, me. No, that's what makes sense to me as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, you, you see how you want to see it. But, yeah. <laughs> but that's what makes sense to me. And that's the lens that I'm using to view all of this. And we also, we do not sit up and come up with these opinions and agree together. Like, I know we yeah. said it there beforehand. This is the first time she said it today. Yeah. You know, so, and we just happened to agree. I mean, we li- we do not talk about the episode. No. We, we turn off, we don't talk about it until we're on the microphone. No, we get in the car. <laughs> we talk about everything else. Music. Shows, yeah, we movies, intentionally save else. all conversation for until, that. Yeah, yeah, until yeah. we get in front of the microphone, mm-hmm. like you said. So, yeah, we're not planning any of this out. Yeah. Uh, well, Michael tells him, we would have missed you, and Brian is not going to touch that sentimentality. <laughs> you know? Ben and Brett Keller are with Michael, and Brett immediately knows who Brian is yeah. by looking at him. He says, well, he looks just like Rage. And Michael introduces them, and Brian calls him the boy wonder of Hollywood. So Brett sounds could, like yeah, him, too. Sounds like him, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Brian's reactions and responses to the whole movie thing are kind of interesting to me. I mentioned that earlier. Like, he's not jealous or excited, but I wouldn't say that he's indifferent either. Um, like, I'm not ready to say it with any certainty, but I wonder 
if he worries about this guy filling Michael and Justin's head with all these fantasies, it's Hollywood and a bunch of maybes. And, you know, perhaps he doesn't want him to let them down or take advantage of them, like the parts of them that are naive about stuff like this. And so I wonder if that's part of why he has this weird response to it, because he always wants to protect and defend Justin and also Michael in some ways. And then I also wonder if a bit of it is fear that this could be something that pulls Justin away, that takes Justin away. Probably. I think I'm going to lean with that. This is something that could potentially, you know, pull him away. Um, just a little bit, because, you know, Brian is yeah. not insecure like that at all. Not in but that, he's in a vulnerable he, he, not, yeah, state right now. Yeah, he is now. in a vulnerable state right now. And then, like, from the beginning, now, he eventually got on board with the rage stuff, and now is even, like, encouraging it. Right. But from the beginning, it was kind of a sore spot because it was something that was important in their life, but that didn't revolve around him, or at least right. he didn't see how right. he had a role in it mm-hmm. at first. So he's always had an interesting relationship with the rage stuff. True. There'll be another day when we can talk about that. Not today. <laughs> and yeah, because like I said, I don't have a fully formed opinion or argument on that. I'm still thinking about it. Anyway, Justin is keeping a watchful eye on Brian and he's like wiping his face. He's barely standing and but he's really trying to put up a good front. Yeah. He's also drinking water, which I'm sure he stays hydrated while he's there drinking and drugging at Babylon. <laughs> but this Got just to. feels like a deliberate choice that he has chosen to consume water and not alcohol. And non-alcohol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the winner of the Wet Willy contest is announced. And uh, mm. Brian says, in addition to the big winner, there are also some big, big losers. losers. And he makes his way to go console them. And uh, he is really committed to this whole front. I don't like, know how he's doing this. <laughs> I like, don't either. You came out of surgery two days ago or three yeah. days ago, we'll say. You know, or came home from the hospital three days ago. Uh-huh. How are you doing this? Like, yeah, it's crazy. I know. Uh, Michael and Justin watch him go, and Michael leans in to lecture Justin. But before we touch that, Ben is right there behind Michael, and you just know Michael called Ben and told him exactly you know what was going on. He told him about that cancer as soon as yeah. Justin left Red Because Cape. even the way my, um, Ben, like, we only get a little side profile of Ben. Mm-hmm. Like, the way he's, he's even he's looking. He's rubbernecking. Yeah, like, yeah, he's you right, can see. Yeah, he knows what's going oh, on. Like, oh, Lord. Yeah. And, of course, he's going to tell his man. But what happened to if he want us to, wanted us to know, he would have told us. That part. Okay. Yeah. No diss. Just a little observation. <laughs> no, you can't be running around the streets telling people's business, though. Right. Like, that is a diss. That's big cap. Like, yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, don't no. do that. Yeah. Well, Michael says to Justin, why did you let him come? He should be home resting. And Justin's like, okay, and how am I supposed to stop him when I'm not supposed to know? That part. Like, what, what excuse? When yeah. I already told him. He needs to come to Brett meet the Brett wants to meet you. This is how we're going to do it. Now, how do I all of a sudden? Oh, baby, no. They um went with someone else. And, um, yeah. yeah, I think you should stay home and um don't act sick. <laughs> but... <laughs> Okay. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. And so that's what I meant. But it's going to be harder for Justin to act like he doesn't doesn't know anything than it would be for Michael. Uh, Because Michael has clearly been at home talking to Ben about it. Yeah. Terrible. But Justin can't. And that that. sucks for for Justin. He has no outlet. Right. He can't tell anybody about this. For one, he's not going to tell anybody because he respects Brian so much. Mm -hmm. I don't even think he would even tell Daphne. Although, you know, Daphne would never approach Brian on something Mm -hmm. like that. It's just out of respect. Yeah. He only came to Michael because that's the bestie. Well, you know? and you know, Daphne's gonna be like, hey, what about this? What about that? And Justin doesn't have any other answers. And right. so he's like, I don't, you know, he's not gonna tell her right, or anybody exactly. because it's gonna be fr- yeah. more frustrating for him. Yeah. It's gonna bring up more, yeah, like you said, more concerns. Yeah. Well, Justin follows after Brian basically to save him from himself. <laughs> yeah. Again. 
Uh, Brett tells Ben and Michael that he plans to recreate Babylon for the movie. And I'm happy to hear that it will feature Babylon because that's a big part in of Rage and JT and even Zephyr's life. That's a big part mm-hmm. of their story. And so its equivalent would have to be present in Gayopolis right. in the movie. Michael tells Ben, like, see, I told you so. Like, he's already talking about what he's going to do with the movie uh, because Ben has really been tripping this whole time. Trip, trip. <laughs> yeah. Like, he walked into Babylon and ordered him a double haterade, straight up, no chaser. Bro, and he threw it back. Not. Threw it back. Okay, <laughs> chug, chug. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael tells Brett that Ben is also a writer. And Ben tells him he just finished a novel about a love story between two men set in Paris in the 30s. And Brett says period pieces are a tough sell. And I love period pieces. Me too. But I don't think that that Brett was trying to be funny about that or trying to take a shot at him. It's just like, He's thinking as a director, like, oh, yeah, that's that's a hard sell. He's just thinking as a director, com- right. commenting on that. But Ben quickly adds that he was not planning on selling it. Besides, he's sure it's not Brett's thing. And Brett picks up on a little something. Yeah, he's like, okay, well, yeah, well, okay, well, what is my thing? And Ben says, mindless entertainment for 12-year-old boys. Now, his husband loves, or his, I'm sorry, his partner it, loves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's writing something that you're criticizing yeah. like that. I mean, it's not like really 12-year-olds, but it's a fucking comic. He He's 30 well, plus. Well, I mean, you're putting Michael down by yeah, saying it's something for mindless yeah. 12-year-olds. Yeah. And he says, um, yeah, I think Michael just wants to melt into the floor Facts. during this. But Ben continues saying to Brett, considering you're gay and that you pretty much have the power to do anything you want, one would think you might do a project with some relevance, some social responsibility. And I'm like, okay, why can't Rage be that project? Exactly. But you know Rage is speaking on some serious issues so why can't this be that project that is entertaining and that is fun, but also addresses important things? Facts. Um, ben really showed his ass in this thing. <laughs> he did, okay. yeah. He really showed his ass. Like, for one, you're literally about to, like, fuck up any chances for your partner to even be successful in his yeah. career, you know, doing this. Uh, he can only sell so many comics, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> to, to make a living. Like, I don't he's like gonna $2 lose a comic, yeah. so yeah. You know, he can only sell so many. Like, so he he really needs this opportunity. And then, two... You're just embarrassing yourself. Right. I mean, Michael looking like the mama's, Michael's giving that look that my mom used to give me when I was in a store and she was talking to her friends and she really couldn't pop me just in that moment. She would just give me this look like, bitch, wait till we get in the car. Wait till we get in the car. Wait till <laughs> yeah. we get in the car. I'm going to show you what's up. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my, I'm just disappointed in Ben. I was too. You know, and Ben is presenting this like this is a social critique, but I really think he's mostly just jealous, jealous. and disappointed that his project isn't taken off yet. And now I love Ben, but he does not handle jealousy or disappointment no. well. Like we've seen that since he came into the picture. Yeah. And now most of the time I'm gonna make an effort to see where a character is coming from. And I understand that Ben has devoted a large portion of his time and talent to his latest novel. And I do think he's talented and very smart because he said some very profound things uh up you know, up to this point. And then here comes Michael in his wide-eyed love of superheroes. And he and Justin create a concept while they're high on ecstasy. I know. And it becomes a real thing, a real comic book. And now a major movie director from Hollywood is here trying to meet with them. Right. So, I mean, I get it. But he's letting his own stuff keep him from being a good partner mm-hmm. to Michael and a good support to him. True. And, and he's embarrassing him in front yeah. of Brett and everybody else. Crazy. And when Michael... um read the boring-ass novel, 
He didn't want to give him the feedback. <laughs> right. He was trying to tiptoe around his feelings. Yeah. But I feel like he's taking shots at he's every been, chance he Ever can. since then, he has been coming yeah. for Michael coming. in anything race related. For yeah. real. I was like, damn, Michael's at the tiptoe yeah. and you coming up like Tyson. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if any of the gang were my friends, I would not go to the club with them because nah. they stay embarrassing each other. Yeah, no, for real. <laughs> Babylon is cursed. Or fighting with each other. If I walk in the club and they see me, I'm like, you stay over there. And I'm going to stay over here. Yeah. Or better yet, I'm going to try my luck if me hook or boy toy that or poppers. Okay. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I cannot be in the club with you. Mm-mm. Well, Justin finds Brian on the dance floor with one of the bigger losers. I really thought he was going to go like sit down at the bar or something. But no, he was straight up talking yeah, to this for real. Yeah. And I'm like, where are you planning on going with this, babe? Like, you can barely stand up. And the goods are out of service yeah, baby. right now. Yeah, they're done. So... I mean, there's got to be a lot of swelling in the scrotal area. Well, we never seen Brian really get on his knees, so maybe that's what we was going to see. Because these guys did have some big old thighs. I don't know. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. want to envision him on his knees, but I mean... Maybe... Not for some rando from the yeah, Wet Willie contest. That part, okay, baby. You don't eat and suck on everything. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure his stitches have not even dissolved yet. So, I don't know where he was thinking he was going to go with this. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Justin comes over to Brian and says, like, hey, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling so hot. Like, can we go home? And he tells him, I think it's food poisoning. I need to go. Can you please come with me? And Justin is smart in the way that he gets Brian out. He mm-hmm. can't make it about Brian. So now he's got to you know, right. make up this story to get him to leave. And you know that Brian wanted to leave, too, but he couldn't just right. go. And so, okay, great. Here's a convenient excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I can hop onto that. Uh, Brian's shady as hell, Yeah, because you know season one, Brian would have been like, well, get Mikey or the yeah, professor to take you home. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'll see I'll you. call you a cab. Go to Daphne's because I don't want to get sick. That if it's part. contagious. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um. Yeah, so he would have even sent him off with Boy Wonder of Hollywood. So, yeah, you can tell that he really wanted to go home. Well, then we see Michael and Ben, and they are home, and Michael is not very happy with Ben he can't believe that Ben insulted him like that, that he insulted Brett. And then Ben basically calls him an untalented hack. And he goes on and on about him being a sellout and trading his artistic integrity for a buck. And I like that Michael isn't going to let himself be intellectually intimidated. Right. I had a friend who was in a situation like that where she always felt like her husband was a lot smarter than she was. Right. And anytime he start making an intellectual argument, she would just shut down. Uh-huh. And I think Michael has a tendency to do that with Ben. And so I like right here that he's like, Nah, this yeah. ain't about nothing to do with academia and exactly. artistic integrity. You are jealous. You're freaking jealous. Yeah. Let me shine. Mm-hmm. And until then, you know, I'm going to let you, I'm going to give you a little breather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he says, I think you're jealous because someone wants to make a big movie out of our comic and no one will touch your novel. And then he slams the door and uh, gives him something to Leaves him no, to think about. Michael went for the jugular on his ass. Yeah, he, yeah, did. he did. He went for the jugular on it. But that boring ass buck. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, just, you don't hit him with an uppercut right quick before he left. Yeah. He, you know, he had to go. He did have to leave. Uh, well, Hunter overhears this argument. And he's been very excited for Michael during this whole time. But um, now it seems like this movie deal is a point of contention in their relationship. And Hunter probably doesn't have a good frame of reference between to know the difference between a heated disagreement in a relationship-ending fight. Right. And, you know, plus, we don't know if he's back on solid ground yet after the whole Vic thing. Mm-hmm. So, 
he kind of looks like he wants to run. Right, yeah. I mean, he's unsure. <laughs> mm-hmm. This boy has been through so much. So, I mean, his first thing to do is probably to run. You know, yeah. like, protect myself. Right. Like, or, I got to get out of here yeah, and figure but, something out. Exactly. And now, now that he's attached, he probably wants to go faster now. So, he's not hurt. You know, so hurt. Yeah. You know, but, uh, yeah, wow. poor yeah, Hunter. A lot of scariness going on for him. Yeah. Well, over at the loft, Justin is helping Brian get out of his clothes. And Brian looks completely just drained and zapped. I mean, he barely has enough energy to undo the buttons on his shirt. And he makes a half-hearted attempt to fight off Justin's help, but he eventually has to surrender. Although when he snatches his hand out of the sleeve, I'm pretty sure Justin just wants to pop him on the back yeah, of the head. Like, like you just got to be difficult, always. don't you? Dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brian asks Justin about the food poisoning that he said he had. And Justin says it must have been a tummy ache. Like, he got Justin <laughs> out here lying. You know, now we got two liars in the room instead right. of one. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, Justin changes the subject, asking Brian to tell him about Abitha, and he's creating this whole diversion for them. And before Brian answers, you see his eyes darting around in a whole liar's circle. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like, like we said, that's what he's been doing all episode, like clearing his throat, adjusting himself, fidgeting, you know, just looking really uncomfortable. Um, yeah, well, he starts telling Justin about homo heaven and matadors and the smell of lemon air freshener, which is probably like some kind of hospital antiseptic right. or something like that. Well, Justin listens, but I think he's just so happy to have Brian in his arms. Like, you can see that he's scared and that he's refraining from saying anything mm-hmm. or from crying. And because Brian has kind of unfairly put him in a tough position. Yeah. And I love that last little bit where he hugs him tightly and he kind of sniffles into his chest, mm-hmm. chest and he's placing little kisses on him and letting out of breath because, you know, like how hard this is and he has to be strong to deal with this to get himself through it but also to get Brian through this and it's such a display of love and affection equal to or more than anything mm-hmm. else we've seen them do in the bed there at the loft and I mean he's keeping Brian's secret he's honoring his unspoken wishes not letting his own worry and fear and anger push to the surface Correct. And instead, he's focusing on taking care of Brian and making sure he's okay mm-hmm. helping him without humiliating him and he's listening to Brian telling him this story, and Justin's doing all these things, knowing Brian's lying to him. Yeah. Um, but he just loves him that True much. Love. Yeah, and he's so worried about him. So he's like, whatever, just tell me, tell me whatever. Just, yeah. And he's just laying there. He's mm-hmm. asking questions about a place that he knows that his man didn't even yeah. go to. Mm-hmm. But he just wants to be near him. He just wants to make him feel like you're good. You yeah. know? So just laying in his arms, not making a move, not doing anything. Yeah, I mean, Justin only knows that Brian had surgery related to testicular cancers. Like, did they get it all? What are the next steps? Is it terminal? Did they give you six right. months to live? Like, he's completely in the dark on the details. And he's scared. And I'm sure he's angry that he can't get answers from Brian's the only one with the answers right now. He right. can't call that doctor and get his information, probably. So this is the only one who can tell him. And he's not giving him anything. But, you know, more than that, it's like he loves him and he wants to do all he can to make sure that he's a Oh, as okay as possible right now. Mm-hmm. I think about all of this, and part of me kind of feels like it's a bit comical that Brian thought he could get away with this. I mean, he looks pale and drained. He he can't have sex. He can't allow Justin to see him naked. I'm pretty sure Brian sleeps in the nude, but he can't do that right, right now. He's wearing a whole different type of boxer briefs. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think that I Googled recovery from an orchiectomy, then oh. you don't know me at all. Oh. Because... <laughs> A uh, full recovery after the removal of a testicle can take anywhere from two to four weeks. And you're supposed to be like icing the area oh, every couple of hours um, and just all this other stuff. And you've got to deal with stitches and swelling and incision care, restrictions on physical activity. 
He's really not even supposed to be driving because he's oh, probably wow. supposed to be on pain meds. So right. He's probably not taking them, knowing Brian. And depending on the diagnosis, that's just the beginning. Like, will he have to get chemo? Will he have to get radiation? Like, yeah, Terrible. all this stuff. Um, one little note: most surgeons would actually tell you to wear snug underwear, mm, you know, for compression. Keep them, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. but that's most, not all. So it's okay that Brian's wearing loose ones here. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, they're real droopy. Yeah. So knowing all of that and how close their relationship is and how physical they are, I almost want to laugh at Brian for thinking he could get away with this. <laughs> but then I think about the fact that he is trying to get away with this and trying to pull it off, and then I want to just cry big pathetic tears mm-hmm. because. He wants to pretend that everything is okay so mm-hmm. Justin will stay so he won't leave him or right. think differently of him. So he will always be that face of God, Brian Kenny, for Justin. And he went through all of this in hopes that Justin would be there when he got back. And as soon as he got back, he had to go see him. He had to test that theory that he was still going to be there. And um, and I'm sure he just don't want to add any extra worry on Justin either. Yeah. He, already ha- he already has too much on his plate already. Yeah. Yeah. And so, anyway, yeah, I just think about all that, like, you really thought you were going to keep this secret? Yeah, but then the fact that he feels like he has to. And that's the, just that's ma- the sad that's part. That's the sad part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you want to be so mad at him, but you're, you just think about what pushes a person to the place where they would almost choose death over imperfection. And what pushes a person to that point to where they feel like they have to keep something that Happy. huge mm-hmm. yeah, to themselves or it will cost them the most important relationship in their life this and possibly goes some of these others. Back to Jack and Joan fucking Kenny. Yeah. I hate you, them. They are the worst. To Jack and Joan. They Kenny. ruined this poor man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is slowly being put back together by the people in his life who love him, but man. But yeah, that that all the Brian shit starts. Yeah. I'm telling you, from his his mm-hmm. parents, that relationship that yeah. never really formed. You and know? people say, Well, why don't you get over it? That was years ago. You're over thirty, but they keep doing that to him. He's still right. got this mess going on with mm-hmm. his mom and his sister and his nephew. And then even still, even if it was thirty years ago, those formative years when he was They shaped him. Yeah, though that shaped him and everything that he has been doing is because of that. Right. You know? He's either trying to protect himself from it or whatever yeah. I mean, if, if Brian Kenny was active now in 2022, I mean, he could do that shadow work and find that inner child. But I don't think no one was really talking about that type of therapy no, back then. Uh-uh. So, and 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 he probably wouldn't have even accepted it back then, you know? Right. So. Because he thought that he had w- ways of coping with right. it. It was never get close to anybody. Mm-hmm. It was drink when I want, party when I want, have as Unhealthy much fun as I want. coping habits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh, man. Okay. We're going on. Uh, well, we find out Michael spent the night at Ted's. I was thinking he would go to Debbie's right? Uh, when he left his apartment, but Debbie is kind of stressing him out, too. So <laughs> I guess, he, you know, Ted is like not stressing anybody right, right now. So <laughs> it makes sense to go there. He didn't really have to talk to anybody, really, right? because he didn't have to in- encounter with Emmett because Emmett's mm-hmm. going to be at the mom's. He didn't have to talk about, tell Debbie anything. Right. And, they're and you know, Debbie, would, it yeah. she would have turned it into something huge, exactly. World War Five, if, you know, you know Ted didn't hurt my baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Ted probably... Probably gave an option, you know, hey, if you want to speak about it, I'm here. If know? not, yeah. just couch, here's a blanket, exactly. have at it. Yeah. Um, well, Ted wakes him up with a chocolate croissant and a cappuccino. He I want t- that. Yes. <laughs> I don't like chocolate croissants, though. I love Plain croissant and a cappuccino, though. Love it, period. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He tells Michael he can come to mama's anytime. <laughs> and uh, Michael is thinking he might just become a permanent house guest. But Ted assures him, like, y'all are going to kiss and make up. It's going to be fine. And Ted tells him... You know, he behaved the same way when when Emmett's party planning took off. And the more successful Emmett got, the more Ted felt like a loser. 
And so it was really a similar situation mm-hmm. because Ted was the accomplished one, the smart one, the one who was more business minded right. or whatever. And he kind of felt like Emmett was just playing with glitter and crackers. And so, <laughs> and so, but somehow he was having all this success. And it's kind of like Ben feels the same way. Like you and Justin are playing with colors and coloring pages and you're having all this success. And I worked really, really hard yeah. on this manuscript. And, and, yeah. and then it's rejected. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Michael was like, okay, maybe I should forget the whole thing. And, ben, and Ted says, no, no, opportunities like this don't come often. And you can't be a failure to make your relationship a success. And that is so important. Right. Never dim your light. Yeah. If if they're not part of helping you brighten your light, then that's not the right relationship Mm -hmm. for you. Or you need to figure out a way to get that relationship healthy. So, yeah. But Ted is out here giving all the good advice. And I love it. I love that he's using his mistakes Mm -hmm. and his lessons to help his friends and the people that he loves and cares about. Yeah, I can see him being a great little counselor like everybody, um, like like Blake is. Uh I mean, a few more months, what, you got to smile. Is that what he's going to do in season five? I am not saying anything about season five to you or anyone else. You are giving me a (laughs) smirk. Okay, but keep going. But I can see him doing that because he uses his own personal experiences and is able to guide and help others that's close to him. Yeah. Well, then we see Brett Keller at Red Cape, and it seems that all the meetings have gone well. Uh, before leaving, he tells them that if they can't get Colin or Ashton to play Rage, they'll get they'll get Brian. Well, Michael checks in with Justin to see how Brian's doing, and Justin says they're both still pretending. Brian's acting like everything is all right, and he's pretending he doesn't know. But Justin's kind of over it, and he's like, you know what? Forget this. I'm going to go tell him. Mm-hmm. Well, Michael stops him and says, you can't. He wants it this way. And Justin thinks that yeah, that's easy for you to say, Michael. He's not your boyfriend, and you don't love him. Girl, I died. <laughs> yes. Look, they done pushed Justin too far. Yeah. Okay. Michael says, I love him enough to honor his wishes. Kind of a challenge. Like, and yes. I hope you'll do the same. And I think Justin knows that his comment was a little out of pocket. It was a little rough. Yeah. Uh, because, but I do believe that it is harder for Justin to keep up this charade because he is around Brian all the time. But, uh, yeah, he knew that last part was a, was a little much. <laughs> Yeah. But he needed to throw that dagger, though. He did. Yeah, and okay. it's a different type of love. I mean, although it isn't because we know how Michael loves Brian. But it's but, a different type of love because Brian loves me. Well, and this one is reciprocated. You. Yeah, so. it, it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but it is a different kind of love yeah. and a different kind of, yeah, situation. Um. Okay, so if you were Justin or Michael, do you think you could have done this? Like kept it a secret. Um, I would have. I would have kept it a secret, but I probably would couldn't be around you as much. You know, I would have yeah. been like you said. It would have been. It's extremely difficult for um. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for um for, for Justin. Justin. But um, I probably you know would have kind of keep my distance so I wouldn't slip up. I wouldn't yeah. spill the tea because my face tells it all. So. Well, and it would be hard to watch that person doing things that you know are detrimental yeah, to their like health and recovery. Like, why are you at Babylon right now? Why yeah. are you talking to this? loser why are you you know that would be really Keeping hard up this story yeah you know? i feel like i could keep it a secret um for a pretty good long time i'm pretty good at right at, at playing along with things true. acting like i'm in the dark true. on stuff true, true, yeah. True. yeah but i do think that it would be it would still be hard definitely if it was something like this where their life was probably at stake i, I, I do think it would be hard mm-hmm. well we see emmett and he is determined to help debbie get over uh, her grief about one man by getting under an old man. <laughs> Girl, because he is over here spilling all the tea. Yes, he is perched up on yeah. Horvath's desk, Not like, on the telling desk. all the business. Girl, he surely is. Yeah. 
Well, the point of his visit is to tell him that no one can get through to Debbie. And as sure as he knows that there's a shirt in Carl's closet, that's a, a better match for those polyester pants than the one he has on. I was like, don't come over to his office and read him yeah. for film, baby. Uh, read him yeah, down. But he is convinced that Carl can get through to her. And Emmett says that at a time like this, a girl needs a man. It's the truth, though. Like, yeah. I feel like, I mean... We saw her eyes kind of light up again when she saw Carl. Yeah, you know, they did. And, and there was a too. smile on it her was. face that we haven't seen in a while. Right. And also, it's somebody that she's not encountering every single day. He's yeah. not in the friend group. He wasn't directly affected. And, you know, Vic was in their lives every mm-hmm. single day. So, I mean, she needed, like, sometimes you got to have that outside person to talk to. Yeah. So, I think Emmett did the right thing by going to Carl. And then, plus, you know, he know young Deborah in a better way. So. <laughs> in a more intimate way. Very, yeah. very In a intimate. biblical sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to say it like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, then over in the renovated attic, Lindsay is painting again. And Melanie walks in and she says it's been a while since she's been that happy. And she doesn't sound bitter about that. I think she probably has been around Lindsay long enough to know that art is very important to her. And mm-hmm. when she's kind of in tune with that part of herself, she probably is happier, I bet. So she, Melanie looks at the painting and asks, because it's of Sam, and she mm-hmm. asks Lindsay if uh, he posed for her like that. And, of course, he did with nothing but a uh, cigar. And, yeah. and they show the painting. Yeah. Well, and I was right. Lindsay says that he is like, yeah, he is a madman. He's mad in a wonderful, infuriating, generous, self-centered sort of way. Uh, yeah. Okay, can I be honest? I'm really torn about what to feel about him because he is a sleazeball. He is. But he's upfront about it. And he's talented, which doesn't excuse bad behavior at all. But I feel he, like he's coming around. Yeah, but, but also, and if... if if a person walks into a situation knowingly, then it's like, I'm not really sure where you put the blame on that. Right. Because I already showed you who I am up front, and you still were like, okay, cool, yes, let's do this. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, and, and you're still entertaining and coming back. Right. So, yeah. I mean, he kind of put the ball in your court. Like, take me or leave me. Yeah, and there is something that is inspiring and also a little bit attractive about a person who is super confident in what they in what they do and right. in who they are. And he's got this charisma to his bluntness. And I don't and know, I'm kind of having... <laughs> In the meat. <laughs> I'm kind of having an internal crisis about about what I think about him. And I feel like I need to work through a therapeutic worksheet to decide how I feel. Well, once we finish this show, I didn't uncover a lot about myself. Like, I didn't know I was attracted to scumbags like that. You are, so, we're going to deal with girl, that. I know. I'm going you know. to have to seek some therapy. I got you. Please. I'm going to schedule some sessions Yes, baby. You. I'm going to need it. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, Melanie looks at Lindsay, and I think she's kind of cataloging a few things about Lindsay and just, like, how she's responding to this, how she's being inspired by this. Uh, but she tells her that she's glad that he inspired her. She's really— Yeah, she's so supportive. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, she's not acting jealous. She's not yeah. nervous for anything. Like, I mean, she's happy to finally see her baby out doing what she loves best. Yeah. You know? and that's Well, because she does look so much brighter yeah. and younger and lighter. And Lindsay looks back at the painting, and it makes her smile. And then she has this, like— little girlish laugh yeah. almost. And then you can see something in her eyes and her face as she gets back to work. Like mm-hmm. something in her has been rekindled. Yeah. Uh, well, so Brian and Michael are chilling at the loft and they're having a toke and some takeout. And you can kind of <laughs> see there's two little fried dough balls right. there or something. Anyway, uh, Brian still doesn't have a couch. And in my mind, I'm thinking he probably like custom ordered something and it hasn't it's come in It's coming from Italy, yet. girl. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he has the and, best. Yeah, it hasn't come in yet. Uh, but anyway, so they're sitting there on the floor and Brian makes Michael tell him a story from high school about his last foray into showbiz about poor Linda Hurley, a.k.a. Linda the Hurler. <laughs> and uh, I'm guessing they've been talking about the meetings with Brett and all the movie stuff because it seems like that's the flow of the conversation. 
And Michael tells Brian that Rage wouldn't exist without him. And he asks if he's coming to their premiere. And Brian says, why wouldn't I? And right. Michael doesn't answer. I can just see Michael crumbling. Like, I can damn. just see him falling apart. I know. That one yeah. messed up was just, I mean, yeah. that, that, that shifted the foundation right yes. there. Yes. Well, rocky now. Yeah. Michael wants it to be, he's like, I want it to be at that theater, you know, with, where the stars have their footprints. And he thinks it would be cool if they had their own footprints in cement. Michael and Brian immortalized forever. And then he suddenly, like, bursts into tears, and Brian is like, oh, what is happening? And Michael apologizes, and then he says, I know. He could have came with a better lie. He uh, could have came with something so better. And he said, I know you, you didn't go to Ibiza, that you went to Johns Hopkins, that you had surgery. He's like, if I lose you, I don't know what I'll, what I'll do. And I'm going to say this and pretend I didn't. Where was this breakdown over Ben and Hunter? <laughs> Where, you know, over their mortality like yes. who said that is there a ghost in here Uncle, Uncle Vic got on my microphone think, to say yeah, that I that, think Uncle Vic that he didn't jump in you baby yeah that wasn't me no, I didn't say that it wasn't anyway well Brian like sees him falling apart hugs him to himself and tells him like hey I'm okay I'm okay and Michael says I wasn't supposed to tell you I told him not to and Brian immediately pulls back and demands to know who Michael is talking about. Like, Michael, Michael, Michael. I'm furious in this moment. He says that Justin told him he heard the message from the doctor and then called the Too hospital. Too much business. Yeah. Too much business. We're going to go back and talk about all this. But Brian is livid, in which is so interesting because he did all of this and is doing all of this to, to keep living, but also to stay with Justin. And he missed him while he was gone and mm-hmm. while he was having that procedure. And he was the first person he wanted to see when he got back. And now he looks super upset that yeah. Justin knows. So more on that later. But anyway, Michael, he could not wait to run his $2 tail over Girl, there and spill beans. For real. Oh, loose lip heaven can't hold yeah. water. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm upset. I am too. How are you going to tell Justin? No. no. Yeah. I, res- I love him enough to respect his wishes, not to say anything. But then before the man can even come home to say something, you bring your loose lip ass over there? Yeah. And got something to say? <laughs> Oh, you get on my nerves. I know. And, you know, I feel two ways about this. Like, we can discuss it now or we can discuss discuss it now. So I'm not sure if it's 50-50. It might be like 55-45. But I feel two ways about this. And it kind of depends on my mood, which which one is the higher number. Right. Now, do I think Michael was intentionally making this about himself and intentionally throwing Justin under the bus? No. No, no, not not exactly. But do I think this was okay? No, definitely, definitely not. So... I think on the one hand, you know, Brian is his best friend and has been for almost two decades. He's worried about him. He's scared. Like, yes, he has been in Hunter, but Brian's kind of always been there. And he never even entertained the thought of Brian not being there, not being around. Girl, pause. <laughs> I got to get in. Um, when you have, okay, listen, I can understand when, if they were both single, then yeah, that's your best friend. You do what you got to do. Yeah. But when you're, now when you have a man and your man, your best friend got a man, like, I know my roles. I would never come right. and right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would never think that I have more power than your right. significant other. Like, right. I, I exactly. wouldn't. I would never cross that line. Like, there's lines to be crossed. You should have said, hey, Justin, okay, you know what? I think we do need to tell him. Like, I had a, a, a conversation with him or, some, or something. But you didn't do that. I don't know. I just feel like you're being, you don't know your place in, in this friendship at all. You don't know your place in it. I feel like you're always in somebody's business. And I know you're going to come from my head. It, it, it is what it is, but it's the truth. Yeah. And hopefully y'all can feel this too. It, people shouldn't be in your business that deeply. Right. I understand he's your best friend. I get it. He, he got love and care for you're you. You're still important, but your role you in his life has shifted. Yes, it has shifted. And then then keep your own advice. You always you talk, you're always trying to tell somebody what they should be doing and shit. Then you don't ever do the shit that, that should be done. Right. 
you're gonna say like, oh, I respect him enough just to keep it, you know, not not to even you know bring this out, and then you yeah. bring it out. My thing is, you didn't even give the lover, yeah, the one who was I feel like is most affected by this, right? Who could be most affected by this? You didn't give the lover time to even go and have this conversation. Not only did you have that conversation, you kind of threw him under the bus. I would have said, you did, ain't no kind yeah. of, you did throw him under the I bus. I would have just been like, I know. Bryce didn't ask how you know. Mm-hmm. You just started just giving this information out before yeah. even any questions Yeah, he could have just been like, hey, I, I know. You don't have yeah. to, you didn't have to say why. Yeah, and then, you know, because the other part of me agrees with you and feels like, I like to pretend this part of me doesn't exist, but it's there. I really feel like Michael was wrong for throwing Justin under the bus like this and for, and for doing this. Like, he lectured Justin in Babylon Asking, why did you let Brian come? And then he told Justin not to say anything. We need to respect his wishes. We need to love him enough to do that. And then the first chance he got, he undid all of that. And then there's a super secret part of me that I never speak about, but it feels like (laughs) Michael is making this about himself. It's like, what am I going to do? What would I do if you weren't here? I couldn't live without you. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. I had to just say something because I was so affected by this. Like, okay, what about you comforting him? Yeah, that part. You know, Justin had to lay up in the bed with this man while he lied to his face about (laughs) a matador. Yeah. And he had to sit there and deal with that. And you get to come over here and eat some tofu and have, and have some weed. That part. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, girl. And you break it down crying. Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't even see a tear. Okay. <laughs> like, but anyway, y'all, I know we just spoke really fast. Okay. I we know. were passionate on that. You're going to have to slow real, that though, part down. Slow it down. Rewind it twice. Okay. But um, for real, for real, though, like, I, I was really, really upset with Michael in this scene. Like, he burned me up. Yeah. Like, oh. I, I, uh, so, like I said, I get it. This is his best friend. He's worried. He's scared. He can only hold it in so much. But it's just, you just undid everything it, it that just, you said. Yeah, it was just yeah. a little bit too much when he was like, and I told him not to say anything, you know. Yeah. And, and, and then I did it. Like, who? Yeah, I told him I wouldn't say yeah. anything. You didn't have to say none of that part. Don't bring any, just, I know, I'm mm-hmm. here for you. Mm-hmm. Let's keep it pushing. They don't even make it awkward. Right. Because clearly the man didn't even want you to know because he didn't want the awkwardness. Right. And then you like crying, like I know, yeah, I know where you were, and then I didn't want to. I told him I wasn't gonna say anything. Yeah. Well, who was he? Mm-hmm. I mean, you gave too much information. Though. You did, yeah. And I understand you. You scared and you're worried, but you just did. You handled this poorly. Yeah, is what I'm gonna say. Yeah. Anyway, let me move on. Then we see Debbie at home watching the QVC, which was my grandmother's favorite channel. She spent all her little coins right. buying. Any and everything they had on that channel. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the, the devil. Yeah. There's a knock at the door, and um, it's Carl and again, and he asks if he can come in, and she almost says, I don't feel up to it, the company, but instead she says, she ain't looking too cute right now. Mm. And he reminds her that he's seen her first thing in the morning. So then they go sit at the kitchen table, and she lays it all out there. Like, I said horrible things things that I will never be forgiven for. And he tells her a story about his wife who died. And when she was in the hospital, she was afraid of being alone, of dying alone. He made a promise to her that he would always be there. But then just the more he sat there and kind of absorbed the situation, he just had to get out. Yeah. So he left one night, went for a drink, for several drinks. And by the time he got back, she had passed away. And he said he beat himself up for a long time over this, thinking she wouldn't forgive him. But really, he realized he was the one who wouldn't forgive himself. Mm-hmm. And he's like, she knew how much I loved her. And he says it's the same thing with Vic. And Debbie's like, yeah, but I'll never be able to tell him that I'm sorry. And Carl says Vic knows that. Like, Vic would say enough already. And I can mm-hmm. kind of hear, hear him saying that. Like, in my head, I hear it in his voice, him saying enough already. Right. I can see his face. Like, yeah. I can, 
I can picture his face saying that. Yeah, just looking at her like, Debbie, come on. Right. Come on, sis. Uh, and then she is finally able to let it to let it all go, to let it all out. What do you think it was about Carl or their relationship that made him the one who was able to get through to her? I mean, because he experienced something similar. I mean, they had similar experiences. I mean, he went through something where he felt he held all the guilt. He knew how to get right to her because no one is telling her that she needed to forgive herself. They were all just saying, oh, you know, he loves you. Move on, move on. She could never move on until in that moment, you know, she was able to actually forgive herself. Forgive, And I don't think at the time, I don't think that she thought forgiveness was there for her. But then Carl telling her the story of his wife, like stepping out and he made a poor decision. Like uh-huh. he left to go have fucking drinks. And not only did he have a drink, he got shit faced because he had several. So he didn't even remember and when he finally got back, she was gone. So the promise was broken. Yeah. He lost the love of his life, you know. And um, so, I mean, he carried that resentment on himself for forever and a day. So he had to forgive himself. So, I mean, like, it was just, I think, the common the, yeah. the common similarities that that they shared, you know, they kind of went through. Yeah. It was allow her to move on. I definitely think that that's part of it, being able, having a comparable story, being able to connect over that. But even if, like, even if she didn't know that about him, like, I think he knows a different side of her. Because there isn't a blood family or found family right. bond between the two of them. And she's not Vic's sister. She's right. not Michael's mom he's or everyone else's surrogate ser- ser- mom. Yeah, she's just Debbie. And for people who have a partner or partners, there are some things that you're only willing to share or discuss in that context, in mm-hmm. that relationship, because you're more comfortable with that. Yeah, well, just the fact that he started this whole scene with, I've seen you... I've seen you first thing in the morning that I think that's just saying I've seen you at your worst. Like there are, you know, there is no ugly from you that I've not seen and still embraced and still been here and still cared for you. So I think that also set the table for them to have this conversation because clearly she didn't know about the thing with his wife. But just knowing that he was going to accept her for whatever he saw in her, he was going to accept that from her. So for whatever the reason he helped her over a significant hurdle in right. her grieving process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I do. I think, yeah, he's there just because he cares for her. Mm-hmm. You know, he loves her. She doesn't owe, or he doesn't owe her anything, and she doesn't owe him anything. He was there out of the kindness and gener- generosity of his heart. Yeah. All right. So back at uh, Ben and Michael's place, Ben is fixing dinner, and he tells Hunter to set the table. And Hunter's like, okay, for two or three. Ben isn't sure where he's going with that, but he tells him three. Well, Hunter seems almost surprised to hear that Michael's coming back. He's like, oh, so he is coming back home. <laughs> and I think he doesn't want to let on that he was worried or scared. He was worried. You can see it in he his face. He definitely was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Ben, he tells Ben that he heard them fighting or disagreeing really loudly. And Ben says that sometimes couples do that, but he's like, it doesn't concern you. And Hunter's like, oh, yeah, it does. Because <laughs> what happens to me if you guys break up? Like, he needs to know should he be making other arrangements. Right. Like poor Hunter. Which is scary for yeah. a sixteen-year-old at the same time. I mean, he's like already that. scared for his literal life. Right. And now he's worried about being displaced if his pseudo dads break up. So yeah, Ben tells him that no one's breaking up, and he's like, "You're saying right here," and mm-hmm. I, and he, hopefully, at some point they get to a point to where they are more keyed into what's going on with Hunter. Right. <laughs> you know, they where they're just, it. it goes well, above their heads. Yeah, and maybe because they're time. new to parenthood and it takes a while to realize there are little bitty things you can say or do that will mess your child up. Yeah, you know? And so hopefully they get to the point to where they are a little bit more aware of, mm-hmm. of stuff like that. Where mm-hmm. like, hey, he's seeing us fighting and 
we know things are okay, but he might be wondering, is this a stable home right, for me? Exactly. And so, yeah. Michael comes in and they quickly apologize to each other. And Ben gives Michael a package that came for him. Brett Keller sent over the option agreement and an autographed picture of Cameron Diaz for Hunter. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brian, I'm sorry. Well, And it was that something about Mary picture, too, because I saw that red. <laughs> I saw the red. Uh, ben asks if he's going to do it, if they're going to do the movie. And Michael says yes. And Hunter is stoked. And I think after Ben swallows his pride, he says, congratulations. So hopefully, hopefully this is behind them. Well, I think it's behind him because he genuinely looked, you know, happy yeah. and excited for them. We know um, how Hunter feels. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he had to, like, take a step back. Well, and I think Ben needed that dose of truth from Michael also because he had worked himself up to this self-righteous state where mm-hmm. he felt so validated in what he was saying um, about Brett Keller and about rage right. and all this stuff. And so he needed that to sober him and up. He but he also, Hunter yeah, too. he needed Hunter to yeah. be like, hey, this is affecting me too now. Like, so, we're a family. Yeah. Like. So, yeah, he needed that wake up call mm-hmm. from both of those things to get it together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, back at the loft, a very angry Brian is there ruining a cigarette, I guess, depending on what you're going to do with that right. cigarette. <laughs> well, Justin comes in. And he picked up some movies for them so they can stay in for the night. Just have a quiet mm-hmm. night at the loft and watch them. And Brian stares at him for a moment. And I'm totally open to other opinions here. But what I see is just a range of emotions crossing his face very, know how very quickly. Like, I think there's fear, there's sadness, there's anger, um, there's insecurity, there's worry. Just right. like all of that very quickly. And I think he has to make a decision right in that moment. Right. Am I going to lean into Justin or am I going to pull away from him? Mm-hmm. And, well, he chose violence today. Yeah, he sure did, girl. Also, uh, well, Brian picks up a movie. He's like, what did you bring? Terms of Endearment, which is a great movie. My mom, it's one of my mom's <laughs> favorites. Uh, love Story. My boyfriend has cancer. And Justin quickly puts all of this together right. and realizes that Brian knows that he knows. Mm-hmm. And Justin says, okay, why didn't, why didn't you tell me? And Brian says, maybe it's because I didn't want you to know. Maybe because it's none of your business. Ooh. And Justin remains calm while Brian is raging out. And he says, well, I'm your partner. And Brian says, not anymore. I don't want you here. No. Now get out. And Justin thinks he's overreacting. He's like, Brian, come (laughs) on. Let's just just talk about this. Let's just talk through it. Like, but Brian's not trying to hear it. Justin tells him that he's like, I love you and I want to be here to help you. Brian grabs his bag, flings it out the door. Throws it. Yeah. Then he grabs Justin and practically shoves him out the door and put hands on him. Yeah. Slams the door in his face. Uh, yeah. Uh, and th- girl, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I understand you upset, but damn, you didn't even let a conversation happen. Right. You didn't, even, you, I mean, like, clearly, I, I love you. I'm over here going with the stories. I'm going with the lies. Right, right. You know, like, I'm, I'm doing letting this you for lie you. to my yeah, face. To me. Yeah. Okay. And also, I didn't even put up a fight when you said you was leaving, going on your trip. Right. You know, like, clearly, I'm here for you. I mean, granted, he didn't know at the time, but, right. I, you know, I let you do you. And mm-hmm. then when you came back and I did find out, you know, like, I never once brought it to your attention at all. Like, I mean, I just listened to you and right. I was there for you. I feel like Brian definitely overreacted in that oh, scene. Oh, yeah. Like, um, I, I think you have to go back to the very first scene where Vic told Brian that now he's old, diseased, and imperfect. Yeah. And that is, Brian has never, never. ever, 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 ever wanted to be any of those mm-hmm. things. Now, he took a risk, took a chance on the possibility that Justin might still love him, that he might still choose him. Even if Justin somehow finds out that shocker, Brian's a human being who is imperfect. <laughs> but Brian doesn't think that it's guaranteed. 
And so I think he's afraid of Justin's reaction and response, so he beats him to the punch. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Brian is a very insecure person. That's childish. <laughs> yeah, but he's also a very insecure person, which is what we've been talking about. Like, he might not have a million things that he's insecure about, but they're the, strong. Yeah, there's the insecurities he does have, they are very, very strong. And we know that he's very insecure about being worthy of love and affection. Um, now, children who experience emotional trauma, especially the withholding of love from a parent, which we know he dealt with, they come to believe that they must prove their their worth and they mm-hmm. have to have, be perfect at something. They have to control something. And so his need to feel physically perfect is not just about vanity, but it's about being or being able to hook up with whoever he wants. In Brian's mind, it's like, this is all I have to make myself of worth. This is the only mm-hmm. thing that I can perfect. And so he's been trying to control that. And now that control has been taken from him. Um, yeah. Because he he's now faced with the sobering truth that all of that can be taken from him. All of that can be lost in an instant with a simple diagnosis. Right. All of that can be gone. And just each day he lives, he's, he's getting older. Yeah. So and if you take that away from him, those things that he found value in, he his body nothing. and what he can do with it. Yeah, he's got nothing left. And you might say his career, but a few episodes back, we he was having a hard time getting a job, mm-hmm. one that was going to pay him well, and then his clients didn't even want to come with him initially. Right. Yeah, he really feels like... like he's struggling mm-hmm, right now. Like, mm-hmm. this, is, this, this has been a struggle bus for him, for sure. It really has been. Um, yeah, and so I want to point out in this scene, Brian uh, calls himself Justin's boyfriend, but then it all goes to hell in a handbasket, so right. I can't even celebrate that. But still, though, he did say it, though. Yeah, you he know did what? say it. I mean, he sounds like a Cancer or a Scorpio, but I'm going to go more with Cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Because we overreact, you know, yeah. we, we overreact like something crazy and we say the worst and then we would come back like, like, actually, we I, I act just like Brian. I like nothing ever happened. Like, yeah. you want some coffee? <laughs> like, yeah. that's my sorry. You know? Right. You hungry? You Let know, eat. Brian definitely overreacted. And next episode, we're going to address the question, um, why did Brian comfort Michael but kick Justin out and kind of break up with him? We're going to talk about that next episode yeah. because I feel like we kind of need to see some more stuff to fully understand yeah, that. Yeah, because I, I need, need to, to yes, see some say, more I need to stuff. see what's going on. Yeah, um, but I will go back and say this. I feel like, again, we know why Michael broke down, why he did what he did, but I wish that he would have made a better effort to... Clear Justin's name. Yeah, or at least call Justin like, yo, just so yeah, you know. A head, a heads up. <laughs> I had a I had a weak moment yeah, and I told him exactly so go it in knowing I mean he just sent him in blind, blind and he's at home making up with his man and yeah. having dinner with their son and you done ruined this boy's life tragic <laughs> so, tragic okay. so tragic Girl. um okay if Michael didn't Michael this up who would have broken first Brian or Justin uh, Justin still would have broken first he would have broke first um yeah because. He would have. It would have been. Oh, because oh, Brian lies with lies. Well, terrible. yeah, he d- and sometimes yeah. he want he wants. Now he's yeah. at a place where he does want to be known, right? And so I feel like he would try to find little ways to, to test what hints, Justin's yeah. reaction would be. Uh-huh. So I kind of feel like he he would have. Yeah, he would have. Uh, yeah. I don't know how much longer Justin would have lasted, right. but part of me kind of feels like Brian would have broke first. I think yeah, he would have broke first. I mean, not like just flat out broke it. You know, mm-hmm. he would have dropped a little breadcrumbs that would have. Sparked some conversations, some questions. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm, I don't know. Ah, Brian. I know. The way he shoved them out of the loft, though. I know. So awful. And can we just take one second to talk about how strong Justin is? I mean, Justin's like 20 years old yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. And I mean, 
in a matter of a couple of weeks, like your relationship that has been so solid since they got back together has been so solid. There's been so much growth. They've done all this stuff together. Like they defeated Stockwell together. They've yeah. done all this junk together and everything's been going great. And then this man, the, lo- the love of your life, this man that you love, uh, is starts acting crazy and then he crazy. leaves on a trip and he comes back and he's like, everything's good. I'm fine. I missed you. And then you find out this horrible news and you're trying to keep his secret while you're scared dealing with your own fears. And then he finds out that, you know, and he throws you out. I mean, you're this whole time, Justin is having to juggle his own stuff. Plus Brian's fears and insecurities mm-hmm. and the weight of all of that. Like, See, he Ooh. should be rage. He's carrying yeah. all the weight. You know he is saying? carrying all the weight. He way. should be rage. Yeah. Shoot. But um, big ups to Justin. And, I mean, he's not going to add any extra stress. I mean, thank God the, the writers made him so smart enough that he knows that this is just him lashing out because he's scared and nervous. That I, I hope. I hope. Am I missing something? I hope he's just lashing out because he's scared and nervous. I know I have a threshold. Yeah, so, I can put up with a lot, but I know right. I've got a threshold. I mean, well, you know, Brian keeps giving him that good old vitamin D. <laughs> well, he can't give him yeah, the vitamin well, D right, right now. now so. yeah. But, I mean, oh, I, I don't. I, mm, Lord have mercy. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Oh, it was a good episode. It was a good episode. They wrong for ending that shit just like that. Yeah, when it ended, you guys so mad. No, I was mad. Because <laughs> normally I can kind of tell. With the, there was no theme music, no nothing. Uh-uh. Normally I can tell, like, oh, here come the music. Okay, like, mm-hmm. it's about to be over. But I was like, when it happened and the door slammed and the, the credits came up, I said, I know this is not going to end. Like, I don't know. I can't wait to get on to this next episode. Yeah. Well, guys, I know we gave y'all a full episode on this one here, and we gave y'all a lot of different opinions. So, we like we always say, we want to hear y'all's too. Um, you know, get interactive with us. Hit us up on our email. Let us know what you guys think. Keep it on social media as well. What, you have anything else to add, love? I got nothing. All right, yeah, but we have nothing. <laughs> well, until next time, guys, we are out of here. Bye. Bye. <laughs>